Okay, good morning. Well, we've got the fan going. It's a bit loud. It's a bit loud. I've been turn that thing off. Okay, good morning. It's uh, what are we up to now? Four, five minutes past five, and uh, that was good. It was good news, wasn't it? I was just listening to some old uh, tapes before, some wonderful old um, what have you call them tapes, but old recordings. And there was one where there was, um, I think, Florida. They were supposed to be banning the mRNA. I can't say because we were going out on, but you know what I mean, the, you know, the Jack scene. Uh, but I don't know whether that's actually happened. There's all this talk, isn't there, that things are going like they're going to happen and people are going to be held responsible. But it never seems to come to fruition and it's quite frustrating. OK, I'll be back in a minute with, um, with the weather. How about that? In just one moment, please. Yes, yes. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. 88.1 FM, the wireless weather. Righty, okay, we've got some weather for you this morning. Yes, because that's all we've got is this weather, isn't it? We don't, there's nothing else that we've got. Banks Peninsula, 22 degrees, 22.2 in actual fact. This morning, uh, the lowest temperature is 9.9, and that's in Lumsden, a wonderful place there. That's where the Lumsden, the Kingston Flyer is kept in a shed. And you hop on the Kingston Flyer and you go all the way to Lake Mokotipu, the southern end of Queenstown. It's a wonderful trip on an old steam engine. And I'd advise you to your kids, go and do it. It's great. Hope it's still going. Better check on that. Uh, Nugget Point, windy there this morning, around about 20 knots, uh, 50 kilometres per hour. And uh, Chatham Islands, 8.2 millimetres of rain. So it's really persisting down out there, isn't it? Uh, the temperatures right across the main centres, we've got Stewart Island on 9 degrees. So it's a wee bit cooler down there. Uh, but very warm, 18 degrees, so it's warm, muggy and, and raining over at the Chatham Islands. Um, what have we got? Invercargill, they've got 11 degrees along with Queenstown. Dunedin's on 15, Timaru's on 18, 19 in Christchurch, Blenheim has 20. Uh, drops a little in Nelson there, they've got 18 degrees, 16 on the west coast there at Westport. France Joseph, a little further southwest there, 15 degrees. Up to the North Island and uh, in the Wasp's Nest in Wellington, around about there, they've got 20 degrees. She's warming up there. Martherton, 16 degrees. Napier, 18. Palmerston, also on 20. And New Plymouth, 22. Can you believe? 22 degrees this morning. Taupo and Rotorua still on 19. I think it's locked on there from yesterday. Gisborne has also 19 degrees this morning, along with Hamilton. Uh, Auckland's got 21. Wangarei is 20 degrees. And Kaitaia, it's very warm for this time of the morning, 21 degrees. Okay, the short forecast. I'll be back with that in just a moment. Yes, just a moment. Behave yourself. Scraping together all the news and information you need. It's engaging. At the top and bottom of the hour. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Oh, I've got, I've got, yeah, I've got, I've got Digger in the studio this morning, so he pops in every now and then. You know, this is what happens when you live on your own. You, you, you create a character. You start talking to it. All right, the short forecast for all of New Zealand, valid until midnight tonight. How about that? At nine minutes past, coming up pretty close, isn't it? Oh, it says eight down there. What's the story? 
Uh, no, it's nine. You're getting close to nine. Anything over half, halfway through the second and a half, five and a half minutes, and that sort of rubbish. We don't do the half here. I never knew. I never used to. Well, I used to wonder when they go. It's three and a half minutes past five. I used to wonder why they used to do that. I thought, well, you know, half a second is near enough, isn't it? Okay. So the short forecast all the way through till midnight tonight. From first of all, we we'll start off with uh, Northland, Northland, Auckland, and also Waikato, Coromandel, the Bay of Plenty. You've got uh, partly cloudy weather today with isolated showers becoming widespread with some heavy falls and possible thunderstorms. Uh, this just for a little time in the morning and then in the afternoon I was going to hit you. So pretty much you can watch out for thunderstorms all day. Now I don't know whether that's all of you but it doesn't really say, doesn't it? It just says North and Auckland, Waikato, Coromandel. You could have some thunderstorms there. So it might not be so good this morning. Um, Looking at Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, mainly fine today with scattered showers in the afternoon and evening. For Waitomo to Wellington, also for Wairarapa, you've got, um, well, we'll also include the central high country too, up on the hills there with the sheep. So you've got rain spreading east this morning and then you've got possible thunderstorms as well. It's easing to showers later this afternoon. So it's all this muggy weather, I think. Marlborough in the South Island, Marlborough and Nelson, rain with some possibly heavy rain about the ranges bit heavy there and easing to isolated showers in the morning and then it's clearing in the afternoon so it's going to be fine Buller and Westland, Fiordland as well you've got periods of rain heavy with thundery falls at times, easing to showers this morning, Canterbury, Otago and Southland, what have we got for you? Well you've got rain, <laughs> you've got some heavy falls, possibly thunderstorms as well I think they've just cut and pasted the whole thing all the way down and added a few names, Canterbury uh, easing to showers from this, after, uh, from this morning actually yeah, and the Chatham Islands, periods of rain, hot and muggy. It's just going to be a hot and sweaty night tonight, all night, I'd, I'd say again. Uh, possibly heavy heavy rain. Uh, it's going to be easing this afternoon. And uh, there we are. So that'll do us, won't it? That'll do for a moment. Here's Pearl. She's, oh boy, I'm glad she's done it and not me. Now, this is the problem. We have modern women that have nothing else to offer except for their looks. When their looks start to fade and go, older women would say, you know what, you might need to act a little different. You're supposed to move different. You're a mom now. Like, guys, I don't think it's crazy that we don't do the same thing at 16 that we do at 30. Mm. Oh, Absolutely. Hey, I've got Samantha Edwards coming up soon. I've got a little clip from her, from her one of her one of her documentaries she did, or oh, probably a few months ago now. But it's very interesting. So, um, if if I could encourage you, if you haven't been to Counterspin Media, you'll find them at counterspinmedia.com. Uh, go to the video section and have a look at some of the videos they've got on there. They've got some real good ones that did a live stream the other day. And uh, I think Liz Gunn is on there quite often, and she's loyal to us, not to them. And also Samantha Edwards is now. She's no relation to me, but uh, she's very good, a very good documentary maker. I call her mini documentary maker because they're not hugely long. Although some of them, you know, some of them are over now, so I guess they're not really mini, are they? They are documentaries. And she's a very good investigative journalist, and uh, she hasn't been, been accused. You know, like she's she hasn't been sued or anything like that. People accuse her. I think Brian Tamaki said he was going to sue her and sue Countersman Media, but of course, you know, when you're telling the truth, um, they can't really, can they? Because they're right, and they are right, and I was just saying the other day that uh, people accuse, accuse them of being right-wing extremists or, you know, white supremacist or right-wing, but they're actually just right about everything, because nothing goes out of the Countersman Media Bureau of Information, the news, <laughs> that nothing goes out without it being triple-checked, and uh, they're very, and I mean, I've even had stories I've said, and, and uh, Hannah has said to me, 
you, uh, can you just verify that? And, you know, uh, so I had to go back to the drawing board. So, I don't, so nobody, none of us present anything to Counterspin Media unless we know what we're talking about because it won't get through. From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. After the end-of-life choice bill was finalised, Jenny Marcroft, Winston's MP that secured its referendum, then took a hiatus to Labour in 2021, but returned to New Zealand First in 2023. Upon her return, she announced that New Zealand First would reform Pharmac and that the party had agreed to support her proposal to increase the big pharmaceuticals budget by $1.3 billion. The Pharmac model clearly is not working and hasn't been so for a while. New Zealand First will scrap that model and will also pump $1.3 billion extra into our medicines funding. At the same time, Winston Peters announced that he would be seeking COVID-19 jab injury compensation from the New Zealand government. Now, I find two aspects quite strange here. The first being that our government has not permitted the mainstream media to publicly acknowledge the existence of COVID-19 vaccine injury. But when it comes to New Zealand first electoral promises, they are indeed permitted to acknowledge them, which to me anyway indicates that Winston is a part of the government propaganda machine. The second aspect is that he's promising the government to fund this compensation. Why the New Zealand government? Why did he not say he'd be seeking that from Pfizer or any of the other big pharma companies that injured and killed our people? Why would he be asking the New Zealand taxpayer to pay for their own jab injuries? Again, we see a clever move by Winston that causes him to appear to be on the side of the people when the truth just may be something quite different. If you think about it, this move protects Big Pharma and their relationship with our government. Not only is Winston Peters not holding the criminal to account with this promise, potentially allowing Big Pharma and the globalist organisations that force them upon us to escape unscathed, but he's now opening up the New Zealand market to Big Pharma more than ever by declaring an extra $1.3 billion set aside to be spent on their products. So, to get this straight, Winston Peters is promising compensation, reparation for jab-injured Kiwis, where they themselves will pay for the injuries inflicted upon them by Big Pharma, while at the same time ensuring increased government spending to the tune of 1.3 billion of our dollars on the same Big Pharma companies that inflicted those injuries and also killed many of us. That would do nothing but perpetuate a system where Kiwis keep getting sicker while the cartel keeps getting richer and never being held to account for their enormous crimes against humanity. Not sure that that's justice, but that's what Winston Peters seems to be trying to sell us as justice. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. Okay, what's the time? Oh, it must be 15 minutes past five. 88.1 FM, the wireless, New Zealand news. Hey, wasn't that Samantha Edwards good, eh? Oh, yeah, you want to get over to counterspinmedia.com and go to the video section and look at all those ones that she's done and others as well. So there's some good stuff there. All right, looking at New Zealand news this morning and two deaths in two days at Muruai after a biking accident. Uh, the uh, person has died after falling from a mountain bike in the Woodhill Forest. That's just north of Auckland. 
uh, near Auckland's Muriwai Beach after a teenager died in an accident on the beach where a car flipped and that happens very easily and you don't have to be going very fast to get stuck in the sand and flipped over she goes. So people are going to have to be careful and I think really, and I, what I don't like is this whole idea of the Maori shutting the beach down and the council closing it down. That goes against the Bill of Rights. We should be able to move along that beach and we don't need, we actually don't need signs, we don't need speed limits, we just need people to take care, just to be responsible. And if they drive like idiots, then well that's, they're going to have accidents, aren't they? You know, it's terrible, isn't it? But on the other hand, anyway. It is a very sad story that people have been um, killed. I mean, that girl, though, getting on the back of that, I don't know how old she was, but, you know, I just wouldn't get on the back of a vehicle. And I've been I've been over in Thailand where they drive like nutbags over there, and uh, I've just banged on the roof of the car. This guy was driving like a nutter, taking us up to um, Burma there. We were going, I was going to go on a five-day trek around the blooming, I tell you what, <laughs> blooming dangerous in that place over there. There's cutthroats there with machetes and all sorts. Oh, we came across some interesting people. Young uh, men look like warriors, actually. And uh, so, because there's a lot of problems. They call it Myanmar you now, but it was Burma uh, when I was there. In fact, I think it was anyway on the border. They still call it Burma. But anyway, um, yes, yes, you've just got to take responsibility, don't you? And don't put yourself in situations where you think, oh, hang on, I don't know if that's a good idea. So driving on the beach is dangerous anyway because of the variations in the the the, um, uh, the sand. Sometimes it's hard, then it gets soft. I know because I trained horses on the beach, you know, almost every every day for um, a number of years, and so you've just got to be careful with the beach with the beaches, especially driving on them. And I can remember back in Levin, uh, my father and um, I think my little sister was with Dad and they were going for a drive along the beach and there was a car in front, it was a Morris Minor and she wasn't going that fast but she got caught, she flipped the car over and the poor girl, they came across her, She was the tide was coming up, she'd been thrown partially out of the vehicle so her legs were sort of trapped in the, the vehicle somehow and um, Dad had to put the seat up underneath her body to stop her from drowning uh, while he freed her, her legs from the car. She was okay but she was very thankful, so her appearance and I can definitely remember that. So it's very easy to flip cars. You don't have to be going that fast to, get, to flip them over in the sand. Maybe the modern ones might be a wee bit better than the Morris Minor, but, oh, I don't know. Um, let's, we're over at Stuff at the moment here now, and those are the main headlines. Um, we've also got the man dies at Raglan Beach in Manu Bay. A group of surfers got an, uh, got an unresponsive man to shore on Monday morning, but he couldn't be revived. And an inmate... He backs away before being pepper sprayed, according to CCTV uh, footage. Now, the jury has been shown the moments that an inmate in a special mental health unit backed into a corner before being pepper sprayed after refusing to give up a towel, would you believe? Just unbelievable. Now, uh, it's avoidable tragedy, apparently. Well, let's look at that mural wire thing. A teen killed when vehicle rolled at the beach. The incident involved multiple patients. Uh, yeah. And it came less than one week after the West Coast Beach reopened for vehicles. Now, they shouldn't be shutting it anyway. This is just, this is just overreach. So it's, it's very interesting. They use any excuse. They'll never let a tragedy go by without them being able to take away your freedoms and mine. And so that's what they do. We'll come back and look at a little bit more depth in that story there. But I just think it would be the worst thing they could ever do is, first of all, allow the Maoris to put their whatever it is on it, some superstitious mumbo-jumbo nonsense. Now, mumbo-jumbo is a word, if, if you said that on Radio New Zealand or any of the other stations that have that have all signed these deals with the government, with well, the last government anyway, uh, so that they can get their you know millions of dollars, um, 
if you said that, you'd be fired instantly. You're not allowed to say mumbo jumbo when it comes to marriage. But it actually is. It's just old. It's just pagan nonsense. That's what it is. And you know, there's a Bible. There's a Bible. Um, I don't know if it's a proverb, but a dog returns to its own vomit. So when they Christianity came to New Zealand in the 1800s, didn't it? And um, and many many uh, Maori became Christians. In fact, I became a Christian by listening to a Maori preacher. His name was John Cormany, and um, and they, they, there was they had more there were more Maori missionaries going right throughout New Zealand and the Pacific Islands and actually the world than there were Europeans. Uh, they were they really grasped the gospel. But now it seems they've gone back. We're getting near the end times. We're getting near with the Lord's return. And the Bible says that in the last days, things are going to get a bit messy uh, just before he returns. And it's going to be all sorts of things happening. It's going to be men's love for one another is going to grow cold. And we can see that happening now, can't we? And we can see how the uh, the devil has allowed the communists, you know, the fascists, the globalists to uh, take the, they're using indigenous people uh, to, and they're pitting them against Western democracies and um, you know British and, and Europeans—they're pitting them against the greatness of these uh, empires, which which really brought people out of the Dark Ages, out of the Stone Age. Not just Maori, but lots of other um, so-called indigenous people. I don't think Maori were indigenous here anyway. I think they came here on whaling ships, and that's the most reasonable thing because it's just unreasonable that they uh, paddled here on dugout logs, isn't it? It's just unreasonable. Uh, but now they're going back. They're going back to their pagan ways. You see, when you become a Christian, you leave all those old things behind. and But now they're going back to it, aren't they? And so Christianity has left um, Maridom, it seems. Uh, uh, sort of, a, if, As far as the media are concerned, anyway, the, what we're being presented with. I mean, it may not be the case. I mean, I know lots of lovely, uh, and I've met plenty of them, and I, and I do it o- often. I meet Maori people that are Christians, and they're just wonderful people. But we've got this, um, we've got something happening and it's uh, our media are facilitating it. So were the last government. This government, don't know. Don't know if I trust them. I kind of like what Shane Jones is saying. He says we're for Kiwi, not for Iwi. In other words, we're for all New Zealanders. We're not for t- the tribe, the tribal rule. We're not going to have that. Even though he's part Maori himself. So that's what I like about him. Um, but then there's some things uh, there with the New Zealand First and some and, and Samantha Edwards hitting uh, her last, what second to last or maybe third. She's done a few documentaries. This one, the last one, just before the election, it, I really wished it had come out a few months before. But anyway, it's uh, it's called Winston Rides Again. And in that, I, if you haven't watched it, I'd advise you go to Countersman Media and make sure you watch that video because then you'll know what fools you were if you voted for New Zealand first, when you could have had the Honest Party, you could have had NZ Loyal, and um, but no, 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 we all got amnesia, didn't we? And we voted again for someone that has lied to us over and over again, never followed through pretty much on anything, and uh, very slippery, very deceptive. <laughs> Boy, can he talk? Twenty-four minutes past. 24 past 5 here, you're at the World at uh, 5. It used to be the World at 1. I started doing it over the Christmas holidays. I, I was getting a bit bored. Um, I was missing being on the radio talking to you. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll do something at lunchtime. So I came in and I, and I did the World at 1. And I did that for, you know, I think, about an hour. And I thought, oh, this is fun. So then, so I thought that's a better name than The Breakfast Show. So I thought we'll do that, the World at 5. So we've been doing it from, from uh, you know, when did I start? When we came back, 8th, I think the first program I had back was with... Um, it was on the 8th of January, and uh, had, I was on Vinnie Eastwood's show. Uh, there, well, he was on mine. <laughs> we shared the, uh, an hour and a half together, and that was a bit of fun. Vinnie Eastwood. 
He's very interesting, isn't he? He's going, he knows a lot about a lot of things. And uh, so I advise you, I'd also say, why don't you go? I don't have an advising, I'm going to take advice from me. But um, Vinny Eastwood, look him up. I think he's on Twitch TV. Um, not sure that they try to chop him off for just about everything, don't they? Lock you up and chop you off. Um, yeah, but I would really go and, go and have a look at Vinny. He's interesting. Interesting guy, actually. And, um, you know, he likes to um, kid around a bit. And I think kind of have to keep saying, don't you, with all the crap they've given us in the last few years. Anyway, let's get back to the news. And we've got 50 firefighters. They're battling in Auckland Blaze. And I think that was yesterday, wasn't it? That was an old, old one. Uh, it was the 22nd. Yeah, that was yesterday. They had around 50 firefighters. They were battling then to contain this blaze that engulfed a commercial building in Auckland. only hung a year. That was old. That was yesterday morning. I don't know. If, oh, actually, I'll just quickly check on that and just see... Um, <laughs> they managed to get it out. I'm sure they did. Uh, yeah, they had 16 fire trucks in the end. Uh, and um, Assistant Commissioner Dave Hatton, he said that the fire had vented through the roof of a multi-unit industrial complex and got up to... Oh, look, it's actually not an old building. It's actually quite a new building by the look of it. Um, there's still sort of... That was, you know, at around seven in the morning yesterday, about half past seven, they were still working on extinguishing the fire. And so there we are. So they've got investigators on the scene there. And uh, so what have we got? An, a, a pedestrian's been critically injured in Nelson, the waterfront, in a waterfront crash. This one's just come through. I think this happened late yesterday. Uh, e, e, oh, well, anyway, here it is. Police have spoken with the driver of a car that collided with a person in Nelson on, oh, that was Sunday night. Uh, emergency service were called to Wakefield Street. It's lovely there. I lived there for a while. I loved Nelson. And uh, near a restaurant... Uh, called the Sticks Restaurant in Nelson Waterfront just before 10.30 at night after receiving reports that a person had been struck by a car and, according to a police spokesman, one ambulance and one rapid response unit was sent to the scene where ambulance staff treated the pedestrian and took them to Nelson Hospital. And uh, they were in critical condition, according to St John's. Uh, the road was closed there for a period of time and the police serious crash unit there examined the scene. So... They've reopened. Well, it's all it's all set to go. So it was shut, um, and it was they reopened it on yesterday morning. So there we are. So it wasn't terribly old. Okay, I'll be back in a moment. We'll look around the newspapers. Scraping together all the news and information you need. It's engaging at the top and bottom of the hour. Today's news talk radio TNT. I just can't figure out why that's not playing automatically. It should do. Oh, probably because I click it in there, it's under 10 seconds. That'll be it. If it may have been a lab, may have been nature, we're supposed to look forward, then why did Dr. Fauci work so hard for just one of those theories? I almost have to laugh at that, Neil. I mean, that's totally bizarre. First of all, I wasn't leaning totally strongly one way or the other. I've always kept an open mind. As you know, there's a sort of urban legend that there's a biological warfare center in Wuhan and that the coronavirus escaped from that. Did you have any sense of where it probably came from? I think ultimately we know that these things come from an animal reservoir. I've heard these conspiracy theories and like all conspiracy theories, Newt, they're just conspiracy theories. I wasn't leaning totally strongly one way or the other. I've always kept an open mind. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll see soon. See about that. Okay, in a moment, I've got uh, this on the stay in history. You're having a birthday? It's the 23rd today, isn't it? Yeah, 23rd of January, and uh, we'll see what happened on this day back in history here in New Zealand. 
From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Right, well, back in 1855 on this day, a massive earthquake hits the south or southern North Island. A magnitude 8.2 earthquake had a profound impact on the development of Wellington. We'll read about that a little bit later, perhaps after 7 or maybe after 6. We'll look into that one. Also on this day in 1951, a tragic centennial yacht race begins. There are 20 yachts left Wellington for Littleton. That's what uh, Christchurch, isn't it? Yeah, that's Christchurch. You're a bit croaky this morning, Grant. Yes, I am a bit croaky. Okay, 20 yachts left Wellington for Littleton and uh, the race to celebrate the uh, Canterbury centenary. Now, the fleet ran into a severe southerly storm and only one yacht officially finished the race. Two others were lost along the way and we also had 10 crew members as well. And so we'll look at that possibly after oh, about 6.30. About 6.30, we'll um, maybe look into that in a wee bit more detail. Both those stories there. Very interesting indeed. Um, let's go through the newspapers. But before we do, let's go back to Sam Edwards and talk about the Journalism Fund. Oh, yeah, the, you know, the $55 million, And there was a bit more than $55 million, Sam will tell us. And most of it's rubbish. So I feel saddened for those journalists to know. In the weeks leading up to the coming New Zealand general election, Winston's been touching on a number of issues that he knows will prick up the ears of those who are awake and aware. They wanted to give the media $55 billion. $55 million. Million dollars, fifty-five million dollars. Sorry, yes. And he's causing a lot of people to think he's on the side of right. So we're going to be accused by all. For example, although he's known ever since the Public Interest Journalism Fund was launched back in 2020 that the title is a complete oxymoron and that the words government paid media and public interest don't belong anywhere in the same sentence. He's never made a stand against it before now. But suddenly, he's talking about how the media have been bribed and that that's just not okay. Public Journalism Interest Fund is going to be based on this. You're going to follow this now. Why didn't he say something earlier about this? And look how far down the rabbit hole of the, the non Is it just a coincidence that he didn't talk about it while the fund was open, but now that it's recently closed, he is? No damage can be done to the scheme by talking about it now that it's closed. Our government has paid off our media to the tune of $66 million, because as it states here, $3 million's yet to be allocated. Now, why wouldn't Winston have spoken up back when it was still open and when he could have done something about it? And how can we not mention Winnie's sudden statements about Māori not being indigenous? That's a conversation that's been happening online amongst the truth community more and more over the last few months. Surely Winnie must have known this, being part Scottish and part Māori, 78 years old. Why has he never mentioned it before? Why is it only now, on the campaign trail, that he's suddenly making specific public statements aligned with exactly what a group whose votes he'd like to pick up is also talking about? Hepuapua is based on the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, another globalist agenda repackaged as co-governance for New Zealand, and the fact that Māori aren't Indigenous takes the justification for co-governance out at the knees. And Winston knows that we've been talking about that. Now, that particular message, coupled with the jab compensation message, are pretty clear indicators as to the voter base that he's targeting. You're listening to Grant Edwards. 
88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at 5. Good morning, it's 28 to 6. We'll have TNT Radio News coming up for you at 6, and we'll go over to stuff now, and we'll have a look at some of the top stories there. We'll, oh, gosh, we've got some horrible creature coming back to New Zealand. Anyway, f- uh, before we do, I'll quickly just tell you about that now. It's a picture there of this fellow with a goatee and an earring, and uh, apparently he's barbaric, child torturer, and he's to be deported from Australia back here in the 501 programme. Now, that's Jason Olg- Olga, or Og- Ogier, I don't know, looks like Olga to me. Uh, he is an ogre. And you listen, he's, he was jailed for horrific assaults on his son in Australia. And now he's set to be deported here to New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand's uh, significant rise in the use of import and import of cocaine, uh, Kiwis, cocaine Kiwis. <laughs> South American cartels target New Zealand as wastewater testing shows Kiwis are using more and more cocaine. Oh, just all we need, isn't it? Now, Luxon, this is going to upset a few of you. Luxon meets with Ardern over special envoy job. Can you believe this? Uh, this is a, a, a newsable podcast. I think you'll be able to go in and hear it for yourself. But officials are preparing advice on the former MP's role as the country's senior representative to the Christchurch call. Can you believe, I just cannot believe that Luxon's got, had anything to do with this rotten cow that nobody wanted, and we certainly don't want her here back in this country having any say in our politics because she stuffed our country. And I can't believe that the Prime Minister Chris Luxon has met with the former political rival, Dame Jacinda Ardern. I can't believe that he's met there to discuss with her a rare special envoy role with the Christchurch call. That blimmin' stuff, the Christchurch call is just basically taking away your freedom of speech. That's all it is, just designed to shut you down, shut you up. It's all about not to say anything about how terrible Islam is, which it is. It's the worst religion in the world. Second worst religion would be Roman Catholicism, because during the 16th century, they just slaughtered you. If you didn't believe what they believed, they just burnt you at the stake. And uh, I've been to Oxford, where they burnt people at the stake there for not believing that the little wafer is the real body of Christ. They call it transubstantiation. We, we, we Bible Christians, we don't believe that. We believe it's a, it's a picture. It is a, uh, it's a symbol. It's an emblem uh, of, what, of Christ's body that was broken for us. And we believe that wine is just wine. That's all it is. It's not, they, priest doesn't magically turn it into the real body of Jesus. Because if he did, that means that when Jesus said on the cross, it's finished, that means it wasn't finished. Because now we need a priest to go into the temple every day and keep offering. We'll go into the church every day and mass and keep sacrificing Jesus over and over again and then eating him. <laughs> Isn't that cannibalism? Is that, oh, maybe that's why cannibalism's not actually against the law in New Zealand. You're not allowed to kill people, but you can eat them. Doesn't they, they can't have you up for that. Oh, it's, <laughs> it makes sense, doesn't it? Maybe the Roman Catholic Church has got a wee bit to do with um, our laws. Maybe they have. There's quite a few Roman Catholic judges. Anyway, so if you're a Roman Catholic, you're a cannibal. And most of them are named after saints, aren't they? Cannibal Joe. Cannibal Joe? <laughs> Cannibal Peter? Yeah, so there you are. Cannibal Bill. We had Bill, didn't we? Bill Rowling, wasn't it? Wasn't he a Catholic? No, there's another one there. Couple of, anyway. anyway, so Luxon. I can't believe it. Luxon's office, they won't provide any uh, definitive update on the future of her position. This is that flipping rotten... I don't... Oh, I'm going to get carried away here. I just don't want her to be anywhere near our government, our halls of power. No, you should be in a jail, rotting with your... Uh, we, we won't go into that. Um, you should be in prison, imprisoned, waiting your trial. That's what you should be. You shouldn't be have anything to do, and I can't believe you sap, you simp goober, Luxon, for even having a meeting with the cow. 
what the hell is wrong with you? I'm so furious about this, that this government is going to double-cross us. They are collectivists. He said that he is. That's what Luxon said. We're doing everything for the good of the collective. The Christchurch call is about silencing you from having freedom of expression. It's about doing away with the Bill of Rights. That's what it's about, and it's about taking away all of the guns in New Zealand so that they can bring in even more draconian laws, which they've got planned for us, and when they bring them in, we won't have... There's no way... The, the reason why... The reason why they have uh, gun laws and uh, in, uh, not gun laws, but why, why they have the uh, freedom that you're, you're allowed to be armed in America is, to, is not to stop criminals from attacking you, not to stop someone, not to protect yourself against criminals and home invasion or, you know, that. No, it's to they were designed to, for uh, protection, citizens to protect themselves against a tyrannical government. You say, oh, well, we had a tyrannical government. Yes, we did 70 years ago, didn't we? Was it more than that? Just over 70 years ago, Adolf Hitler, he was a tyrant. Jacinda Ardern is a tyrant. And we've got our new prime minister, even having meetings, you shouldn't even have meetings, you shouldn't even be sitting at the same table with her after what she has done and her regime has done to our country. Shame on you. Now, Stuff Daily News, they've got a podcast there called Newsable, and uh, they can reveal, they re reveal that Luxon sat down with Ardern before the summer break, to talk over the position as New Zealand's senior representative to the global initiative tackling violent extremist content online. That's not what it's about. That's rubbish. We know what it's about. The spokesman for the Prime Minister confirmed Christopher Luxon met with the special envoy Dame Jacinda Ardern just before Christmas to discuss her work. Now, uh, decisions have not yet been made, so keeping it all, keeping it all quiet from us. Uh, they're not being made as the Prime Minister is waiting for advice uh, from officials, that's what they said. Now, asked to clarify when that advice is expected to come back and decisions made around the role, the spokesman said on Monday, yesterday, they don't have anything to add to the statement at this stage. So, that you know, they know it's dodgy. They know New Zealanders don't want her anywhere near our government. No, 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 no. We've got to, uh, we've got to say, no, we want Ardern to go away. Make Ardern go away. MAGA. Representatives of Ardern did not respond for a request for comment. No, because the cat's out of the bag uh, at the time of publishing. Now, both National and the ACT Party have previously demonstrated little enthusiasm about the Christchurch call. Ardern launched the initiative with French President Emmanuel Macron, another globalist, to international acclaim in 2019, yeah, back before we knew what was actually what they were planning for us. Uh, when she was still Prime Minister. Now, their stated aim was to combat the spread of terrorist activity and propaganda. See, it's a propaganda, you see. <laughs> so people like me will be gone. This government, they're just as bad as the other one. Now, they're, going, they seek, they're seeking uh, international cooperation from other nations, along with social media and technical giants, tech giants, I should say. And it follows the 15th of March, 19, the false flag. That's what it is. Let's just call a spade a spade. The false flag they use so they could take away your right to, to express yourself freely online. That's what it is. And they're trying to make out that this guy that they've locked up there, who's one of nine, that's what the transcript said, he's not the only shooter, there's one of nine people. Or, or I think he said there's nine others. Yeah, that's right, he said there's nine others. So ten of them came and did this thing. And we, as we still don't know, and I think if you want to know what's going on there, you've got to watch very carefully with Counterspin Media, because they are a lot further down the track on this uh, mosque terror attack in Christchurch than I am. I'm in the dark. 
I don't really know much. I just get little tidbits here and there. But I'm absolutely convinced that that was a false flag used to take away the weapons. Why do they want to take away the weapons? Because they don't want anyone shooting back at them when they get when they go full-blown tyrant. And it doesn't matter. It might not be uh, labour. No, so we know they, they probably won't recover for 10 years for the crap they've given us. But you know what? Luxon and his regime, the trio, the three musketeers, they're not going to be any better. Because I tell you what, if a new X uh, disease is uh, invented and comes out onto the marketplace to, to, to put the frighteners on us, you can guarantee that um, Seymour, um, Winston Peters and Luxon will be more tyrannical than the last two goofballs, Ardern and Hipkins. They'll be way worse. And we, knew, we know that because we've got the records of the comments that they all made when Ardern, they said, was sitting on a hands, wringing her hands and, instead of doing something, instead of making, forcing people to, to get a vaccine passport and forcing a vaccine, I'd better be careful, um, and forcing them to be jabbed against their will. So these people, they are collectivists, and collectivism is a very dangerous thing. In fact, democracy is the worst form of government you can have without a constitution. If you've got a constitution, then we know the rules. If you've got a piece of paper saying limiting what the government can do because the majority rules. That's what a const- that's what um, uh, democracy is. It's majority rules. So the man, so all the people standing around the lynch mob, that's the majority, and the one at the end of the rope. He's a minority. He is the individual. and it's, But it's individual rights that we've got to protect. Every single one of you is a one. And every single one of you is singularly important. So just be proud of being a one. Anyway, so Ardern, she was appointed as New Zealand Special Envoy last March. I, see, I don't even I don't recall that happening. Two months after revealing her shock resignation... Oh, I see, from uh, politics, saying that she was no longer, she had enough and enough left in the tank. So she had a nervous breakdown. She's a fruit loop. She's a mental case. Shouldn't be anywhere, shouldn't even have a job doing this. She should just be missing. You just go and do some crochet or something like that. That's where you should be. Clean the flipping house. Get stuck in, get some, get, do some work, get behind the fridge, pull the oven out, and give it a good scrub. Get down on your hands and knees and scrub that blimmin' floor. That's probably filthy, or you have someone else do it for you. You need to do some work, take your mind. The devil finds work for idle hands. Nothing wrong with physical work. That's what you need to be doing. I just can't believe we're letting her anywhere near. She's not mentally stable enough to be in our parliament or in our government or have anything to do with it. So that's what they do. They hire NGOs and they hire all different people, to, and they're just doing the same old thing. We've got this. We've got more of the same, and it's going to be worse, folks. Worse. So sorry to not cheer you up on your, um, is it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday morning. It's a bit, isn't it? Yeah. 17 minutes to six. So that's just really pissed me off, actually. Um, so Ardern, she said that she had asked Hipkins, when he became Prime Minister, if she could continue the work on this initiative. So, yeah, no, we don't want you. I don't, just you go, go to another country. Go over and see your boyfriend over there in France. And do it with him, Macron. Do it with him. We don't want it. We don't want the Christchurch call here because we know what it is. We know that you're just trying to shut down freedom of expression. So there we are. So that's upset me. It's upset me. I better play a country song. Um, I have to stop stop streaming uh, in a few places. Anyway, I'll be back in a minute. I've got to play a country song because I'm going to go nutty myself. I might. You know, <laughs> to the topic today is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message 
that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. I, I don't know how many times I can say it, Madam Chair. We did not fund gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Anyway, so let me just go on about NIH lifts funding pause on gain-of-function research that might be anticipated to create, transfer, or use enhanced potential pandemic pathogens. I don't think this is going to be foolproof. Things are going to slip through. Whoops. Not a good idea to do that with the microphone on. Okay, 15 minutes to six. Now, um, I've got Dennis Hall here. Uh, where are you, Dennis? Oh, no, I can't find him. You're giving them license to be misogynistic. I, I wouldn't call it misogynistic. I say be equal. So, again, I men do all of that. Well, saying. then, okay, I'd love for the feminists, please apply for the oil rigs. Please go do the hard jobs in society. They're open. They're hiring. Because I don't equate for, I, I don't think men or women are equal until we do the right. equal work. So, no, no, listen, listen. Go, go apply to be on the oil rigs. Go do, go be a plumber. Go be electrician. Go be on the front lines of the military and then we should have equal rights but until feminists are willing to do that i don't believe we should have the freedom without the responsibility okay 14 to 6 tnt radio news coming up at six o'clock uh, late last night i spoke to dennis hall he's coming up in a minute you want divorce to be made illegal why? Yes, because I don't think what we have today is really marriage. What is marriage? It's for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health till death do us part. That's what marriage is supposed to be. But feminists have ruined marriage for the people that actually believe in marriage. How? When there is a 50% divorce rate and the average marriage is Why is that all down to years. the women? I, I, I didn't say that it was all down to the women. Why but feminists? What I, what I, you, you asked why I want divorce to be banned. Yeah. Can I finish yeah. that first? So I'm saying... You know, the people that believe in divorce, go be in long-term relationships. Leave marriage for the people that actually believe in, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless. All right, and other news from Arizona. Four people killed in Arizona in a hot air balloon crash. Uh, the pilot and three passengers were identified by authorities on Monday as those killed in the hot air balloon crash in Arizona desert over the weekend. Elroy Police Department Chief Byron Goltney, he said the crash took place in an empty field in a desert area of El, uh, Elroy, uh, at a city, I think they're called Elroy City, Pinal County, 65 miles southeast of Phoenix. Shortly after the eight skydivers completed a jump from the balloon, Goltney said that some catastrophic uh, event took place. It occurred with the balloon causing it to crash to the ground. At a news conference, uh, the balloon had been carrying 13 adults, its operator and four passengers and eight skydivers. Three passengers and the pilot died while the other passengers were critically injured. Uh, other passenger, I should say. The impact, Powell said, took place in the world's largest drop zone for skydivers. Elroy police identified the pilot of the hot air balloon as Cornelius Vandervelt, 37-year-old resident of Elroy, who was originally from South Africa. Three passengers who died were identified as Clayton Weasel Lock, at 28, of Union City, Michigan, Caitlin Bartrom, 28, of Andrews, Indiana, and Atah Atahan Killicott. 24 of 
Cupertino in California. Um, with me on the line is Dennis Hall. Dennis is a um, he ran the uh, the event organizer and ran uh, an event in Levin. It was the um, the annual uh, balloon fest. And uh, so, Dennis, uh, have you had a look at the story? And tell tell us about what you know, what you think might have caused it. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yes, um, I did. I did read it. I, I read the story, and uh, you know, a balloon's a very simple device. Hmm. It's a great big bubble of air inside a bag, which lifts you off the ground. And and you got to keep the air in the bag. And if you don't keep the air in the bag, the balloon comes crashing to the ground. And so, I mean, it's it's a little bit simplistic, but nevertheless true. And so, uh, so the two things are connected. They've gone up there with a bunch of skydivers. A whole lot of people jumped out. And the balloon then crashed, and so the two things are directly connected, and and the connection will be that that uh, when those people jumped out of the balloon, they somehow disabled the balloon, and because the only way the balloon will come down is if you open the valve at the top of the balloon, and that's opened by a red line which comes down and into the basket and is usually kept close to the pilot, and so when people were jumping out, I suspect one of them's probably picked up. Accidentally, that red line and uh, their, their body weight has opened the valve and has held it open for so long that uh, the the most of the air was gone from the balloon. The guy would have untangled himself from it because it's falling to earth, and and uh, and he, the, the parachutists would have survived, but the people in the balloon wouldn't. Oh, and gosh. so, the, but, but the balloon the balloon would not collapse unless. Um, Unless somebody had pulled that line, and and I I can't imagine it would have been deliberate. It could have been accidental. Got to watch your passengers, don't you, when you're on board these. Um, the, they call them gondolas, don't they? The basket. We never we just called them baskets, but mm. but um, but you know, strictly speaking, they're a gondola, I think. But but look, you know, when when you take passengers in a balloon, mm. you've got to talk to them about what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I've flown about six hundred flights, right? There's people in New Zealand done a lot more than me. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you, when when people get in, all of them, uh, they you know, I used to call them self-loading cargo, and and so that they'd, they'd hop in the balloon, and you'd say to them, "This is what can kill you. This is what you're not allowed to do." And so you know, you're not allowed to touch this red line here, and you're not allowed to touch any of these pipes that that, that um, rubber pipes that run the gas up to the burners. Mm. And you know, you 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 you've got to. You keep your feet on the floor of the balloon, and you've got to, you know, behave yourself. Yeah. And and you know, um, and and if you if you don't like it when you've got off the ground, just tell me, and I'll and I'll go down and drop you off on the ground. Simple. You as know that. what I mean? And yeah. so, because some people, some people, you get some people off the ground, and and by the time you reach a hundred feet, they're panicking. They just want to be back on the ground. Yeah. And freaking but, out. You know, mostly people are fine. They just and I and when I said them, look, you know, just turn inwards. Put your, put your back to the basket, turn inwards, and just look at the floor. Yeah, and uh, and and but most of them are okay then. I can so, yeah. but you know, the, the, the numbers of people that do that are sort of probably only about one percent. Most most people are fine. They love right. it. So you reckon so, they got hooked up on the red line, the skydivers, because it yeah, happened straight but, after but that. So you it? do. So, yeah. So, but so what I I would do is I would always tell them the the danger, the thing that's likely to cause them danger is the red line. Mm. So I just say to them, this is the red line. You don't touch this. Don't do anything with this. Because you'd be surprised at the people who want to bug around with it. Oh, truly. Well, you know, people. some people are just a bit strange, you know. they. Um, 
And there's some people who think, you know, they, they when they in a balloon, they think it's so simple that they could do it. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But most, you know, most people are fine. The vast majority of people are fine. It just is a the world has a has a, a, a sort of a you know a finite number of lunatics <laughs> who, who will eventually kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for that update, Dennis. That's very good. So um, hopefully uh, that oh gosh, but we don't want any more of that, do we? So so if you're thinking about going no. for a balloon ride. Make sure you don't touch the red line. Don't touch anything and do what the operator says. Do what the pilot of the balloon says before you go up in a flight. And he can always bring it down if you get the tatars. Yep, absolutely. That's what they have to do. Do as they're told. Well, thank you, Dennis. We're speaking. That was Dennis Hall. <laughs> Country Biography. Mary Jane Tomasi on 88.1 FM The Wireless Okay, good morning and uh, we've got the news coming up soon it's seven minutes away from six o'clock, seven to seven, the country is still sizzling but cooler weather is finally on the way, Wellington Airport reached 29 and a half degrees and it's the hottest been in January since the records began in 1953 uh, 53 years ago I think I call rubbish on that (laughs) what about about the, um, what was it now, it was in February I think it was uh, Sometime in February, 1973, 42, 43, there were plenty of places over, in fact, I think I might have that story, um, plenty of places over uh, 40 degrees and a whole heap under, just under 40 degrees in New Zealand um, over a, a period of a few days. I think it got up to 42.3 or, yeah, 42.4, I think, in Marlborough. One, one place, Rangiora, was the hottest. And that was uh, all those years ago. So I think they're telling us a load of nonsense. And I think Niwa, I think uh, there's something fishy going on there. Something fishy. Now, um, but that's what they say. Anyway, Murawai Beach, the death sparks calls for vehicle ban. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Nothing like to have a false flag, ban the guns. Then they have a, someone die on the, on, on the beach, ban driving on the beach. It's all about taking away your freedoms, folks. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether the communists are in or the fascists are in. We've got fascists now. That's who we've got. They are globalists, and their aim is to take away your rights and freedoms, to tell you what you can do in your spare time, to tell you what you can do with your body. Like, they're going to stop you having a cigarette. This is crazy, isn't it? So in the future, the way things are going with this whole smoking thing, and they say they're going to turn it around, but I don't think they will because it's, it's happening in every Western country. They're doing the same stuff. Why? Because they're following a globalist um, book. A globalist hymn book, and they're all singing out of it. The same old thing. So that's what they, they, they do. So a scene from Mad Max. Oh, rubbish. It's just nonsense. You can flip a car on that beach doing, going quite slow. It's the sand that's just got to, people just got to learn. Just got to use your head. Look, you've got YouTube. There's no reason why you can't go on and learn how to drive properly on a beach. No, no reason why you can't do that. Of course you could. Um, okay, investigations underway into the supermarket duopoly. Now, Consumer New Zealand has asked the Consumer Com- uh, Commerce Commission to investigate the supermarket duopoly for potential breaches of the Fair Trading Act. We'll look at that story a little bit later on. SPCA halves pet adoption prices. So they should because they're crazy prices. I got a Waimarana, wonderful Waimarana back in the 1980s when I was first married. Would have been 83 or something like that. And... We had, we got a wine runner from the SPCA, $10. And they'd given it the parvo shots and all that, you know, but it still got parvo. <laughs> it still got sick. But you know, probably because the shots made it sick. But because we didn't know about vaccines back then, we didn't know about all that sort of stuff. But now we know, don't we? Now we know. Stay away. If you want to keep your kids healthy, don't let them get jabbed. 
childhood jab uh, jab scenes. Don't do them. I've got to use code words because otherwise we, you know, they'll delete me. I won't be able to put up anything up anyway. I've already got a strike on the uh, Liberty NZ um, YouTube. They won't let me upload anything there. They've already taken down one of my things. I keep putting them up. I, I put them up. They take them down as fast as I. They look for some little reason, and they always find. You know, they pretend that oh, you can't upload. You know, try uploading it yourself, and then you try and upload it, and there's a problem with it. So I've got some strikes on me. <laughs> anyway, uh, Australia Golden Visa Scheme for Wealthy Investors has been axed. That's uh, international news, I would say. What else have we got? We're over at Radio New Zealand. You'll find them at rnz.co.nz. Uh, they've got the latest bulletin. Oh, should we have a listen to that? That could, oh, Shall we? I wonder if we could do that. Just clip in and I haven't heard this before. Let's have a listen to Radio New Zealand's latest bulletin. RNZ News at 4. Morena, I'm Vicky Mackay. Good morning. The cons- I love Vicky Mackay. She's 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 our friend. Very nice. My brother had a, a store in um, a business in Taupo, and Vicky Mackay used to work at Taupo RNZ there. I can't remember the name of it. She's a she's a lovely person, and she does midnight till dawn. Very professional. Just a wonderful person as well. Very warm and, and a nice, beautiful person. Four minutes too, so we'll have Radio New Zealand news from RNZ and the wonderful Vicky Mackay, and then that'll bring us up to um, TNT Radio. Consumer Watchdog will be investigating whether the supermarket duopoly is complying with the Fair Trading Act. The Commerce Commission is looking into Woolworths, which operates Countdown, Fresh Choice and Super Value, and Foodstuffs, which operates New World, Pack and Save and Foursquare. The focus of the investigations is to consider whether certain pricing and promotional practices of the supermarkets comply with the Fair Trading Act. Last August, the advocacy body Consumer NZ complained to the Commission asking it to investigate the supermarket chains for potential breaches. The Commission says the investigations are in the early stages. Kingi Tuhetia will attend the celebrations in Whanganui today to honour the late founder of the Ratana Church, Tahu Potiki Wirimu Ratana. A larger-than-normal contingent of iwi representatives is expected to attend this year as discussions which began at the hui hosted by the Māori King on Saturday are set to continue. A strong and clear message shared by those who participated in forums at Turanga Rawaiwai Marae in Ngaraawahia was absolute opposition to the ACT Party's proposed treaty reform. At the Ratana today, Tuwharitoa leader Te Ariki, Ta Taumu Te Haukau and Kingi Tuhetia will continue to drive to strategies formulated at the weekend. Cabinet will today meet for the first time this year with the clock ticking down on the coalition government's first 100 days in office. With fewer than 50 days left to complete its 100-day plan, the national-led government still has several policies to roll out, including stopping all work on hei poa poa and repealing Labour's Three Waters legislation. The Prime Minister, Christopher Luxon, will front his first post-cabinet media conference of the year this afternoon. Tomorrow, he'll travel to Whanganui to attend the Ratana celebrations. Both Mr Luxon and New Zealand First Leader Winston Peters are expected to speak at the gathering. Also in the news this hour, Palestinians in southern Gaza say the Israeli bombardment by air, land and sea is the most intense since the war began. The Gaza Health Ministry says at least 50 people have been killed in the city of Khan Yunus alone since Sunday. Staff of the children's charity UNICEF say they've never seen conditions for children as bad as they are in Gaza right now. A UNICEF spokesperson, Joe English, says it is hell for newborns. If they're lucky, they're being born in an overcrowded 
desperately staffed hospital with very limited equipment. If they're unlucky, they're being born by candlelight, by, by the light of people's phones in densely cramped camps. You know, and, and so what is life for these children, for these families? Researchers have confirmed there's a strong link between long COVID and chronic fatigue syndrome. A University of Otago study has found therapeutic targeting of the immune response could be effective for both conditions. The study's lead author, Emeritus Professor Warren Tate, says the finding that a coordinated treatment strategy could benefit both patient groups is significant, as it could help the millions of people suffering. He says investment in combined clinical trials to treat both long COVID and chronic fatigue syndrome is desperately needed. And that's the news. 88.1 FM, the wireless international news. Go to episodes at pntradio.live now. News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The Russian Foreign Ministry has strongly condemned the shelling of Donetsk, a Russian city, by Ukrainian forces on Sunday, which resulted in at least 25 civilian deaths and 20 injuries. The ministry labeled the attack, which targeted a busy market in the capital of Russia's Donetsk People's Republic, as a barbaric terrorist act, and accused the West of complicity by supplying weapons to Kyiv. In a statement, the ministry asserted that the attack is evidence of the West's direct involvement in the conflict, holding it responsible alongside the Zelensky regime. The ministry criticized the regime for its inhumanity and hatred towards innocent people. Furthermore, the statement condemned the West's determination to inflict a strategic defeat on Russia through Ukraine. The ministry argued that the unbridled support provided by the West to Ukraine is encouraging the Kyiv regime to engage in increasingly reckless actions, including terrorism, massive violations of international humanitarian law, and war crimes. Russia has called upon governments and international organizations to denounce this treacherous act on the civilian population. The ministry warned that a failure to condemn the attack would be seen as tacit approval of civilian murders, potentially emboldening Kyiv to commit further atrocities. The ministry vowed that all those involved in the shelling of Donetsk and other terrorist attacks against Russia will face inevitable punishment. It also criticized the Ukrainian authorities for their apparent lack of political will to seek peace through diplomatic channels, as evidenced by their desperate strikes. Queensland are preparing for the possibility of a Category 3 cyclone, anticipated to hit the coast soon after the area recently experienced severe weather conditions. According to the Bureau of Meteorology, a tropical low currently present in the Coral Sea is projected to intensify into a cyclone by late Monday. This developing cyclone will be named Kiralee. Forecasts indicate it could reach the Queensland coast as a severe cyclone by Thursday. However, there remains uncertainty regarding the exact location of its landfall. Sergei Narishkin, the head of the Russian Foreign Intelligence Service, has asserted that the United States is in the process of establishing what he described as the colonial administration in Ukraine. According to Narishkin, this involves the integration of local politicians who are aligned with U.S. interests. Narishkin claimed on Monday that the U.S. government has pressured Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to dismiss dozens of high-ranking Ukrainian officials. These officials are allegedly no longer trusted by Washington, and the demand for their removal is said to be under various pretexts. 
Eriskan's statement, as reported by the SVR press service, suggests that the U.S. intends to replace these positions with Ukrainians who have been trained in the West and who have pledged their loyalty to American interests. He commented, as part of the policy of total vassalization of Ukraine, the U.S. has started forming what is essentially a colonial administration in that country. Session presided over by U.S. District Judge Amy Totenberg in Atlanta, Georgia, University of Michigan Computer Science and Engineering Professor J. Alex Halderman delivered a notable testimony. During this session, which took place in the federal court on Friday, Haldeman demonstrated the ability to breach the security of a Dominion voting machine, which has been in use in Georgia elections since 2020. In a striking display, Haldeman was able to manipulate the vote tabulation of the Dominion voting machine right in the courtroom. Remarkably, he accomplished this using only a pen to alter the vote totals. His testimony was part of an ongoing lawsuit brought by election integrity activists structured as a bench trial. The plaintiffs in the case are advocating for the replacement of what they consider to be vulnerable voting machines currently used in Georgia. Their goal is to have these machines substituted with secure paper ballots to ensure the integrity of the voting process. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. Hey, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We sure would love you to do that. We're on all the social, major social platforms, including, of course, Facebook, Twitter, now X, Instagram, Gab, and Getter, among others. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Grant Edwards, playing today's best country, Liberty New Zealand Breakfast, the world at five. On 88.1 FM, the wireless. And now, wireless weather. Okay, let's look at the extremes right across the country. It is five minutes past six, and very good morning to you. Wittyanga, good morning to you there. 22.1 degrees already. Lumsden still 9.5. Wonderful place down there where the Kingston fire is held and goes all the way up to the bottom end of Lake Wakatipu. Marvellous. 59 kilometres per hour. She's getting up to about 20 knot gusting there at Nugget Point. That's the windiest place in the country. And the Chatham Islands, they've got 6.8 millimetres of rain falling at the moment. Temperatures across the main centre, Stewart Island 8 degrees, Invercargill 11, 14 in Dunedin, Timaru's on 17, 18 Christchurch, 17 in Blenheim and Nelson 18 degrees. Moving down the west coast, 16 degrees in Westport, France Joseph's on 15 and right down, well sort of like two thirds of the way down the country, right in the middle there, Queenstown where we all go skiing, don't we? And water skiing, it's skiing all, you know, with water skiing in the summer and what else do we do? And snow skiing in the winter. Fabulous. 11 degrees for you. Moving up to the North Island in the wasp nest with all the um, collectivists where they are. And we know that collectivism is terrible. And we'll be hearing from G. Edward Griffin coming up in the program this hour. Uh, Masterton, you've got 19 degrees. Wellington, 20 degrees there at the wasp nest. Nelson, uh, no, no, we've done Nelson, 17 there. Uh, Napier, 17 degrees. And uh, Palmerston North on 20, 22 in New Plymouth. Taupo and Rotorua, now Taupo's dipped a bit. It's a wee bit cooler now as the sun starts to rise. 18 degrees for you, 19 in Rotorua. Uh, we've got Gisborne on 19 degrees. Tauranga has, uh, tw- did I say Palmerston North? I did, I think, 20 degrees there. Tauranga, 21 degrees. Hamilton, 19 degrees, Auckland's on 21, 
Whangarei, a wee bit cooler there, 19 degrees, but it's warm and muggy in Kaitaia with 21 degrees. The um, short forecast for all of New Zealand, valid until midnight tonight, for Northland, Auckland, Waikato, Coromandel and the Bay of Plenty, partly cloudy weather today with isolated showers becoming widespread. Some of them are going to be heavy and the possible thunderst- uh, thunderstorms as well. That's for a time later this morning and the afternoon. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, mainly fine weather. You've got scattered showers in the afternoon and evening. Waitomo to Wellington, also for Wairarapa, including the central high country. You've got rain spreading east this morning, possible thunderstorms easing to showers later in the afternoon. Marlborough and Nelson, rain some possibly heavy about the ranges, easing to isolated showers this morning and then clearing in the afternoon. It's going to be fine. And in Buller, Westland and Fiordland, periods of rain, heavy and thundery at times, easing to showers this morning. Canterbury, Otago and Southland, rain with heavy falls, possible thunderstorms there in Canterbury, easing to showers from the uh, south in the afternoon. Uh, for the Chatham Islands, periods of rain, possibly heavy and easing this afternoon as well. Looking ahead to the extended forecast for the North Island on uh, Wednesday, you've got uh, a few showers for Horowanua, Kapiti Coast, Wellington and the Wairarapa. Isolated showers clearing in the west, partly cloudy elsewhere with a late Isolated chart, I don't know how they know all this. A late isolated chart for Bay of Plenty, Tarpo and Hawke's Bay. They'll just hope we forget when it happens, when it doesn't happen. Uh, South Island on Wednesday, showers for Fiordland, Southland and Clutha. That's going to ease though a bit later on in the day on Wednesday. Uh, is it? Yes. And partly cloudy elsewhere with isolated showers. On Thursday for the North Island, showers in the east. Easing, partly cloudy elsewhere with isolated showers. In the South Island on Thursday, you've got mainly fine. Uh, a little bit of uh, late rain or showers in Fiordland, Southland and Clutha. Looking ahead to Friday in the North Island, uh, you've got fine weather. Apart from areas of cloud in the east, in the South Island on Friday, rain for Fiordland and Westland. Heavier times, scattered rain in the southern lakes in Southland and Clutha area, and you've got cloud increasing elsewhere. The extended forecast for the Chatham Islands. Cloud with the possible shower on Wednesday morning uh, with westerlies, and then it's going to be fine weather southerlies coming. And uh, you've got uh, becoming cloudy for late Thursday with southeasterly strengthening. Occasional rain on Friday with strong southeasterlies. And uh, there's going to be a, is it going to be a change? Oh, yes, turning to northeasterly a little bit later on. There we are. That's news and weather to nine minutes past six. I'll be back with some more info. Yes, I'm still pissed off about Jacinda Ardern having anything to do with our Prime Minister. You don't even sit at the same table with her. She's, she's the opposition. Okay, you're making it. You're making us think that hey, man, that maybe we just vote for red or for blue. That's what some people say, don't they? Conspiracy theorists. They say it doesn't matter what party you vote for. They're all doing. They're all singing out of the same hymn book. They're all going down the same track. It's the globalist track. They're flying on the globalist vulture, as Samantha Edwards says. And we'll go. And I'll, I'll, I'll might see if I can find some more interesting little snippets from Winston Rides again. That's a Samantha Edwards a little documentary she did just before the election, but we didn't. Listen, did we? No, no, we didn't. We went and voted for them. This is a TNT Radio Encore. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. Oh, yeah, sure it is. Ten past six. First of all, I'm not a misogynist because a misogynist is someone that puts down women. I exalt women to their rightful role. Women are supposed to be women, not men. And every time somebody says that a woman is equal to a man and does what a man could do, and you're you're actually abusing and and, and denigrating women. Women have a unique... Uh, purpose and they're special. They're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. I support women. 
So I'm not a misogynist. I don't put down, you're putting down women by saying women can be men. You're putting down women by saying transgenders can be women. No, they can never be women. Women are special and no man can just convert and say I'm a woman today. You're putting down women by saying that. So you're actually anti-women. I'm pro-woman. I'm pro-mothers, I'm pro-wives, and I'm pro-women. That's right. Okay, you're on to it there. Now, I do have Jordan Peterson. I've got G. Wood Griffith coming up this hour as well. And Jordan Peterson's going to be talking about how he's going on the lion diet or how he's going on the carnivore diet. It's all meat for him. That's pretty much his diet. He didn't think he could actually survive on it. Let's have a little listen to that coming up shortly. I think we're in the middle of an ongoing crime. Sorry, this is Mike Eden. Uh, Now, he was the former Pfizer head head of Pfizer, you know, the one that do the jabbing? I think we're in the middle of an ongoing crime. I've no idea how long it's going to last. I think it's, I'm convinced that it will be the biggest crime in history. Uh, it's global. Uh, it has the intent of control, removing everybody's freedom. And I personally think will involve killing further millions, if not billions of people. That makes it a pretty big competitor for the title worst crime in history. It is long planned. Uh, I won't bore you with the details, but I've definitely come across information that shows that the components of the deceit that they've used, you know, PCR, uh, exaggerated PCR testing, uh, the use of fear-based messaging through the media, this stuff's been rehearsed by militaries and the people we might think of as the spooks for at least 25 years and possibly longer. So it's long planned, very serious. Here's the thing, why I'm calling you to arms, it's not going to return to the old normal. One, that's never their intention. So it's not going to happen passively because it's not, there isn't an actual phenomenon that's going to wear off. They're not going to allow it to return to normal. So if you comply with this tyranny, it will end with the loss of your liberty and probably your life. Uh, the supply chains uh, that move materials, uh, uh, raw materials and finished goods around the world are being sawn through on a global scale. You've only got to look at where the shipping is, where it should be and where it actually is. And terrifyingly, the same is happening to food production worldwide. Food and fertilizer production, it's in the wrong place. It's deliberate. They're smashing the means of manufacturing enough calories to keep 7.8 billion people alive. There we are. That is Mike Yeadon, former Pfizer head. There we are. They're the ones that brought you, um, what was it David Seymour said? The ones that bought me, uh, bought us, bought me, uh, not me, uh, Viagra. So, and he said that... um, um, Christopher Hipkins was the um, he was the uh, representative for the crown and uh, that, that, so that's basically the queen and uh, if they said you need to get jabbed then I need to get jabbed what a load of fooey what a load of fooey so we've got these globalists running our country still haven't we yes we have and we could have we could have had NZ loyal we could have come to our senses and voted for a party that's going to actually uh, follow the the um, the wishes, the will of the people. But no, they we're not. We're following the will of Klaus Schwab and his cronies. And so I've only been eating beef fundamentally for almost five years now. I eat a lot of meat and a lot of high fat meat. And so I'm never hungry. The food pyramid was actually produced not by scientists, but by the Department of Agriculture. And it was a marketing scheme, essentially. The consequence of the marketing scheme was that people were enticed to rely primarily on carbohydrates 
for their nutritional necessities. Perhaps carbohydrates at far too excess at a level. Now, carbohydrates are transmuted into glucose during metabolism, and we eat way more carbohydrates than we need to produce the amount of glucose that we need. Now, people have been getting fatter in a catastrophic way for about four or five decades, and that's really in no small part since the introduction of the food pyramid. Now, this is still being pushed forward by people who are hypothetically on the nutritional front, and they are cheap, and they are delicious, and they are easily provided, and they are portable. As you may or may not know, my daughter was very ill with a plethora of immunological problems, including very serious juvenile arthritis. And it just about killed her. It did destroy two of her joints and she had another 38 that were affected. And so she was always in a lot of pain. And I looked into the role the diet played in arthritis through the scientific literature for a couple of years and found if people who are arthritic fasted completely, their arthritic symptoms often disappeared. But then my daughter started to play, and my wife as well, very intensely with the diet. We went to a nutritionist who recommended an elimination diet at one point because we did notice that she would react to strawberries and oranges. And within a day, her thumbs would swell or her toes would swell. And so we knew there were some things she was eating. We had her tested for immunological reaction to food, but when we tested her, she showed a hyper reaction to virtually everything they tested her for. And so she started to experiment with more restricted diets. I started looking into diet for other reasons, not the depression. I thought the depression was here forever. And eventually settled on beef. And it turns out for her, it has to be beef that isn't aged. Then all of her immunological symptoms disappeared. Surprisingly, the depression lifted in like November for the first time ever. Because you changed your diet? Yeah. We got to look into that a little more. Yeah. And then my wife and I started playing with that diet. And so I've only been eating beef fundamentally for almost five years now. This is, first of all, radically effective as a weight loss strategy and also seems to produce remarkable effects on the general disease symptom front. Back in November of 2021, there was a study published by a Harvard group, which wasn't a perfect study because it was retrospective self-report. They assessed people who'd been on a carnivore diet for six months and these people were so shocked by what they found. 69% improved chronic disease. 95% of them reported that they improved their overall health. 85% saw better mental clarity. The percentages go on. I mean, look at all of these percentages. All they did is eat meat, including fish. They also were able to eat eggs. They were able to eat dairy, drinking bone broth. You could have salt, you could have condiments, you can have spices, but there were no fruits, no vegetables, no grains. I never imagined in my wildest dreams, number one, that you could just live on meat, and number two, that it would have such a salutary effect. So for me, I lost 52 pounds in seven months. I went from 212 pounds to 165, which is exactly what I weighed when I was 23. I've maintained that weight since. If you starve dogs down, I think it's 20% below rats too, below their optimal body weight, they live 30% longer. Yeah. That's a lot, 30%. Like, it's like 30%. Yeah, yeah, 30%. Anyways. I can put on muscle mass with no problem, even though I'm 62. I had a host of inflammatory conditions, some of which were quite serious, including peripheral uveitis, which sometimes blinds people in my right eye, and it disappeared completely, along with psoriasis and gastric reflux disorder. And interestingly enough, gum disease, which is technically incurable, which is linked to cardiovascular degeneration, and which has gone away 100% in my case, according to multiple measures that my dentists have taken. So that's, that's quite interesting. But I'll tell you, 
It's something to be 60 and to have the same essential body morphology that I had when I was 23. And that had all disappeared for me in my early 50s. I eat a lot of meat and a lot of high fat meat. And so I'm never hungry. You know, I can eat a la tomahawk steak sometimes in one sitting, which is about 35 ounces of meat. I never get hungry and I eat high fat carnivore snacks too. What I found is as long as I'm never hungry, I'm not inclined to cheat. But if I do try something like an introduction of carbohydrates, first of all, some of my symptoms come back right away like the GERDs and I start craving like mad. It is the case that I do better if I just stick to beef. I had a very terrible bout of ill health and I'm disinclined to do a lot of experimentation, although I'll probably try again in the future sometime. But I do know that beef works. We've been hypothesizing internally in our family for what it's worth is that the reason that beef works and that other ruminant animals, bison, so forth, uh, lamb, goat, is because they process what they eat through so many stomachs that by the time it is actually turned into meat, there's pretty much nothing else there. It's a very purified form of food. Now, like I said, that's anecdotal. But I can tell you, after you've talked to a thousand people who tell you the same anecdote, you don't have an anecdote anymore. You have a hypothesis. And it's really quite something seeing these people who show me pictures of what they looked like a year ago. And, you know, they were carrying around an extra person with them. And they're still shell-shocked by the transformation, you know, because it's really something to lose, say, 150 pounds in a year. The diet has actually been rejuvenating for my wife and I. Like, its effect on muscle tone has to be seen to be believed. And that's true even though both of us are 60. My wife is in better shape from a musculature perspective at 63 than she was when she was 40. And she was a very physically fit person who was exercising constantly and who was in pretty damn good shape. And to see that reverse rather than just, you know, stop deteriorating, I don't really know what to make of it. The advantage, too, of the diet, the carnivore diet in particular, is because you can eat as much as you want, it's actually not a diet. Now, the problem with diets is that they require privation and they require almost continual privation. And then they also tend to produce a yo-yo effect. And that's partly because if you get in a fight with your hypothalamus, which drives hunger, you're going to lose because it's there to make damn sure you don't starve. You know, if I ever start to crave a banana split, for example, I can just eat another five or six ounces of steak and then I don't care. If I go into a grocery store after having consumed enough meat, then the provision of this infinite display of delicious foods really doesn't affect me much. But boy, if I ever go into a grocery store when I'm hungry, that's quite the pain in the neck because everything's delightful and tempting, you know? My ability to concentrate when I was reading was deteriorating. And that instead of reading as deeply as I was, I was sort of glancing at the words. When I started this carnivore diet, that reversed. I actually think this is true. I think I can read faster and more efficiently than I could when I was in my 20s. Throughout the day, I'm also much more stress tolerant and able to re re bounce back from stressors faster on a carnivore diet. I'm stronger and I have more stamina than I did 10 years ago. Here we are. Jordan Peterson. Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless. It is 22 minutes past six, and I've got G. Wood Griffin coming up very shortly. But before we do, and we'll also, at six o'clock, we'll have the Radio New Zealand news. That's the news that happened at six. This is at 6.30, I should say. We'll have a listen to that. Got a five-minute bulletin there bringing us up to date with the fake stream media. Why not, I say? Now, we'll look at weather, shall we? We'll go over to Philip Duncan, and Philip says there's a cold change. It's going to drop temperatures by 12 degrees in the South Island today, with single-digit highs possible in some areas inland, and a dusting of snow 
snow on the ranges later in the day and also overnight. Now, the cold change will bring winter weather conditions above three and 400 metres for a long time, actually, across the top of the Southern Alps. That's for the next 20, 48 hours, I think. Down to sub-zero temperatures also possible, and that's going to be a bit of a shock in the system for you if you're camping and tramping uh, in the southern part of New Zealand for the next 48 hours. The cold change will drop temperatures by around 8 degrees below normal uh, for the lower half of the South Island on Tuesday, that's today, and it will also act as an air conditioner for the rest of New Zealand, wiping away the high heat and humidity that's been stuck over the North Island for the past week or even longer. But it may take until tonight or overnight to do so, meaning that on Tuesday, that's today, it will still be pushing 30 degrees in the east of the uh, North Island and still mid to late 20s for many other parts as, as that front moves in from the west with rain and showers. Okay, now if you want to know more about that, go over to weatherwatch.co.nz. They've got an hourly te- they've got hourly temperatures with a new app, and uh, so that's for details. You uh, to find out what's going ha- to happen there. You can go over to uh, weatherwatch.co.nz. Philip Duncan, he's the one that runs it. He's a meteorologist. He's very good. I'd recommend that. Now, who have I got coming up? Well, I've got G. Edward Griffin. He is on the way. We're going to find out a little bit about groupthink. Uh, we're going to find out about collectivism, which Christopher Luxon said he is a collectivist, and we have to do things for the good of the collective. That means your individual rights go out the window. B-O-M-B, bomb. T-O-M-B, Tom, no, tomb. <laughs> if T-O-M-B is tomb, that's boom to bombs over. <laughs> but no, that's bomb, that's tomb. Get ready, is this calm or comb? No, that's comb. C-O-M-B, comb, P-O-M-B, poem. No, poem is P-O with an E with an M. Now, P-O-E-M, poem, H-O-E-M, home. No, home is H-O with a M with a E. H-O-M-E, home, S-O-M-E, some. No, that's some. S-O-M-E, some, N-O-M-E, numb. No, that's N-U-M-B. The whole doggone thing is dumb. It's not easy to define the word collectivism in a few sentences because there are so many aspects to it. But it is easy enough to recognize a few of the major aspects, and you'll recognize it. One of the major aspects of collectivism is that it's based on the principle that the individual must be sacrificed, if necessary, for the greater good of the greater number. You'll find that under all forms of collectivism, whether it be Nazism, Communism, Fascism, Socialism, or Neoconism, or whatever you want to do. All of these forms of collectivism have that fundamental uh, philosophy or ideology beneath it. Now, that sounds pretty good to many people. It sounded good to me when I was in school and learning about the greater good of the greater number. After all, uh, we've been taught that we live in a democracy and therefore the majority should rule and all of these things which sound very good if you don't probe too deeply. And so many people think that that's a good concept, but it's a terrible concept when when you follow it to its roots because, you see, there's no such thing as a group. A group doesn't really exist. It's, it's all in the mind. Uh, the, the word group is an abstraction. It, it symbolizes in our minds the concept of many individuals. But group does not exist by itself. You cannot touch a group. You can touch individuals only. 
It's similar to the concept of the word forest. You can look at a forest, you say, well, I'm looking at a forest, but you're not. You're looking at trees. They're only trees. And so the word forest is this abstraction for the concept of many trees. And the same thing is true in social structures. The word group is a very deceptive word. We think that the group somehow has rights. Well, since there is no such thing as a group, we're really dealing with the concept of of many individuals having somehow more rights than uh, than a smaller group of individuals. And so uh, that really, if you follow it all the way to its core, is a question of mathematics. Uh, Collective is, is based on the substance uh, that uh, three people um, really have the right to tell two people what to do regardless, because there's three against two. And once you boil it down to the issue of mathematics, it falls apart because um, Human rights are not based on mathematics. Uh, I know we don't have time for a lot of this, but something that just occurred to me this morning when I was thinking about this concept. Uh, they say that the uh, the greater good of the greater number is is accomplished by giving the larger number the right to dictate to the smaller number. But when you think it through, it's just the opposite. Let's suppose that you had uh, uh, four different elements in society. You had a group called uh, red, a group called green, a group that's blue, and then a smaller group that are purple. The red, green, and blue represent different classes or groups of society, and the purple ones are the administrators, the government officials, the police, the courts, and all of the bureaucrats and the politicians that are going to regulate this great society. So you say, well, a group... Uh, the first two groups, red and green, uh, decide to take all the property away from blue. And that's certainly for the greatest good of the greater number because red and green is a greater number than blue. So if that's your point, then finally the greater good of society has been served in that uh, equation. But now the next time around, uh, green and blue decide to take away the property of red. And you say, well, in that instance also, the greater good of the greater number has been served. And then finally, to round it out, you get, uh, uh, red, what did they do, red and green, green and blue. Well, blue and red then get together and take away the property of green. And here again, uh, the greater good of the greater number has been served. But when you stand back and look at the whole process, uh, all of the groups have been plundered by the others. And you might say, well, it all evens out, doesn't it? No, it doesn't, because there's a fourth group, the purple. And every time there's a plundering action going on, the purple wind up with a pretty good share of the action just for their administrative services. And so when you follow it all the way through at the end of this process, all of society has been damaged by this greater good for the greater number concept, you see. The only greater good for the greater number really comes from the concept of individualism. When you deny the majority to, to take away the rights or the property of the minority, if you hold up the individual as the supreme element in society instead of the group, under that philosophy, under that ideology, now you do actually have the greatest good for the greatest number. Now, that's G. Edward Griffin. Now, you can hear he's been preaching this for 50 years, and you can hear him with a bit more detail uh, on the documentary by Mickey Willis. Mickey is spelled M-I-K-K-I. You can find him online, and I've got the link to it. If you go to thewireless.nz, thewireless.nz, there's a link there right down the bottom. You scroll down, and you'll find us. You'll find it there. Okay, you go wireless.nz, actually, and then you 
Yeah, it should, it should be there. Okay, now we've got uh, news coming up from Radio New Zealand and uh, then I'll come back with just uh, the weather for tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's do that now. We'll go over to RNZ. So it looks as though it's going to be a little bit cooler, doesn't it, coming up? Yes, it certainly does. Now, okay, so this is the bulletin that came out at 6 o'clock, uh, brought to you by rnz.co.nz. RNZ News at 6 o'clock. Atamarie, good morning. I'm Karen McCarthy. The Consumer Affairs Minister is backing an investigation into whether the supermarket duopoly is complying with the Fair Trading Act. The Commerce Commission is looking into Woolworths, which operates Countdown, Fresh Choice and Super Value, and Foodstuffs, which operates New World, Pack and Save and Foursquare. The focus of the investigation is to consider whether pricing and promotional practices comply with the Act. Andrew Bailey says he's been encouraging the Commerce Commission to take action where necessary. Uh, now that they've made that decision, that's a, a good decision and um, it would be encouraging of that. Both Foodstuffs and Woolworths have committed to fully cooperating with the investigation. Kingi Tuhetia will attend the celebrations in Whanganui today to honour the late founder of the Ratna Church, Tahu Potiki Wiramu Ratna. A larger-than-normal contingent of iwi representatives is expected to attend this year as discussions about the new government's treaty policies are set to continue. A strong and clear message shared by those who participated in forums at Turanga Waiwai Marae in Narua Wahia on Saturday was opposition to the ACT Party's proposed treaty reforms. Palestinians in southern Gaza say the Israeli bombardment by air, land and sea is the most intense since the war began. The BBC's Sebastian Usher reports. Much of the southern city of Khan Yunus now looks like a ghost town. Residents and hundreds of thousands of displaced Palestinians from further north in Gaza have been kept continually on the move as Israeli forces have targeted one district after another. Tanks have now reached the gates of two hospitals in the city, effectively cutting people off from medical treatment. In Israel, some of the families of hostages still held in Gaza have broken into a meeting in Parliament as they continued their protests, demanding more action from the government to secure the release of their relatives. Some parents are struggling to meet the increasing costs of school uniforms. With many children soon to get back into the classroom, families are having to pay for a new array of school items. For many, this includes spending hundreds of dollars on uniforms. The children's charity variety says the clothes are getting more pricey every year. Its chief executive, Susan Glasgow, says after paying for rent, food and other bills in a cost-of-living crisis, parents are finding it incredibly difficult to fund uniforms. She says more parents are seeking help from variety. At least eight people have died and dozens are still missing after a landslide struck China's southwestern province of Yunnan. The landslide in Xiaotong City trapped 47 people. President Xi Jinping has ordered an all-out rescue in the area, which is experiencing sub-zero temperatures. The cause of the landslide remains unclear. The property website realestate.co.nz says the total value of residential property listed in 2023 was down by $28.6 billion on the previous year. Prices generally dropped or stalled as vendors took a pause. The national average asking price fell to just under $900,000. The property website says this is the first time in more than a decade that the average asking prices dipped below that of the previous year. 
New modelling that can predict more accurately how wildfires will spread is being developed. Canterbury University Associate Professor in Atmosphere Dynamics, Marwan Kataji, says current predictive models don't account for local variable weather conditions. He says by incorporating weather changes driving fire behaviour, the new systems will give more accurate predictions of how wildfires will spread as they burn. We can use the weather forecast as a driver for the fire. So then we can predict where the fire will be in the next six hours, the next 12 hours. And this usually informs fire mission in New Zealand to prompt evacuation zones. Marwan Kataji says the research aims to protect communities and the environment against wildfires. The inauguration ceremony of Liberia's new president, Joseph Boakai, has been cut short after he appeared almost to pass out from heat exhaustion during his speech. 79-year-old Mr. Boakai had been delivering his address for around 30 minutes when it became clear he was having difficulty talking. Earlier, the new president said dignity in public service and respect for the rule of law must be restored. A giraffe housed alone in a zoo in northern Mexico is being moved to a more suitable park after a campaign by environmentalists. Benito suffered extreme heat and cold in Ciudad Juarez. He's now embarked on a 50-hour road journey to a park in the state of Puebla, where the climate is more suitable and where he'll live among other giraffes. Locals shouted their goodbyes as Benito was placed inside a specially designed five-metre-high container and hoisted onto a truck. That's the news. And that is the news. It's 25 minutes to 7. At 7 o'clock, we'll have TNT Radio News. In a moment, I'll give you the update for the outlook for tomorrow. Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, the wireless. And now, wireless weather. Okay, looking ahead to tomorrow for the North Island, a few showers for Horapanua to Kapiti Coast, also Wellington and the Wairarapa. Isolated showers clearing in the west, partly cloudy elsewhere with a late isolated shower for the Bay of Plenty, Tarpo and Hawke's Bay. In the South Island tomorrow, showers for Fiordland, Southland and Clutha. It's going to be easing, partly cloudy elsewhere with isolated showers. It started with small things. The Holocaust didn't happen for years. Hitler tested it out. What would happen if he goes the next step and the next step? And as long as people looked the other way, ignored what was happening as they did, he escalated, he upped the ante. He certainly did, and uh, yeah, that's what they'll do. Now, we'll look over at the New Zealand Herald now. You can find them at nzherald.co.nz. Sad event. Winston Peters speaks on Golritz Garriman's shoplifting charges. These are the headlines. The Commerce Commission is to investigate supermarket duopoly. We heard that in the news at uh, 6.30, which was the 6 o'clock bulletin at RNZ. And the Foo Fighter fans, their cars were towed after a high-vis hustler. $20, a uh, Maori on Islander, by the look of the photograph of him, they paid $20 uh, parking, a parking ruse, and then uh, their cars were towed. Derek Chin, political battle lines are being drawn. He's got a report there at nzherald.co.nz. Uh, in New Zealand, the heat wave and humidity to be flushed out by the incoming cold. We heard that from Philip Duncan a little bit earlier. And um, Cheryl Sandberg's her girl boss fantasy did nothing for women. That's in Lifestyle. Auckland prison officer on trial accused of assault with pepper spray. And more in Lifestyle. This can be vital bedtime uh, 
a mocktail actually help you fall asleep? Can a mocktail help you fall asleep? What is a mocktail? Don't know. But if you go to the front page of nzherald.co, you'll be able to find out. Now, six Goldie paintings from a collection of Main Freight, the co-founder there is to be auctioned <laughs> got to ask you are they Carl Sims's paintings because you know what when I interviewed him uh, back in the uh, early 2000s I think it was I had a meeting with him on Jervois Road in a lovely little cafe there Carl before he passed away told me that they couldn't tell whether it was his or not and he could do them all <laughs> he was incredible they made him um, take a vacation uh, at his own uh, convenience uh, they made him paint the toilet somewhere I think it was where he lived in his own town I think it was in Foxton uh, that's where he did the uh, toilet painting there, made him do that for a bit of punishment. Uh, so we've got the Commerce Commission, they're going to be, uh, be discussing the, um, the the supermarket duopoly. That's a good thing, but if my advice is just to get stuck in to the farmers' markets. That's what you want to do, and build some relationships with them as well, so that when they lock us down again, which they will, uh, you've got um, some contact with these people and you'll be able to, to do that. I've got a home cool guy uh, that he, he wasn't jabbed, his wife and she was forced to be jabbed so that she could do her job, which was in child support, and so she had to be had to be done. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he got uh, got sick. Might have got sick through her. I don't know. Not sure because she was jabbed, and they say that you can it can transfer, can't it? All the people that are sick all the time at the moment are the ones that have been jabbed, but they're not telling us that. They're calling it what? Long COVID, that's what they call it. 21 minutes to 7, and we're here over at uh, rnz.co.nz, looking at the front page there. Headhunter's new pad has been revealed. A gang buys a North Shore industrial property. I wonder where that is. So you'll know not to not to be moving in next to them. So that is the new Headhunter's, the North Shore. Wow, it looks pretty flash. You've got some good signage there. Looks very flash indeed. Um, you have to pay a dollar fifty per week if you want to read that story. Uh, they're cashing up a new chapter of one of Auckland's oldest uh, patched gangs. Now the friendly minted North Shore chapter of the Headhunters has snagged a piece of industrial land, so they're going to be moving in there. And this was a gang taxing, yeah, mob membership pack. Uh, they uh, ransack P dealers' home. Ooh, and you, they've always got the tattoos, haven't they? The facial desecration there, which were the Amalekites had in the Bible. They had earrings and body piercings, and um, all that stuff comes from ancient paganism, really. Starts off in Babylon. Uh, the Amalekites were enemies of the Lord and enemies of the Israelis. Uh, okay, so moving on now, and uh, what else have we got? That looks like, oh no, here we go. Harry and Megan's private message to Kate Amid Health Scare, uh, you can read that as well. Victoria's secret model, her secret engagement, not sure who she is. Victoria, where would she be? Her name is uh, Maya Cottons, her romantic engagement in the uh, Bay of Islands, according to a spy. Oh, it's Ricardo, Ricardo Sumich. He used to be, I'm sure he was a real estate agent, Ricardo, for a while there with Ponsonby Real Estate. I'm absolutely sure of it, maybe not. Model, Mariah Cotton, she rings in the new year with an engagement to her high-flying American partner, Max Fieldstein. A New York-based Kiwi and Victoria's secret model, Maya Cotton, have a romantic marriage proposal in the Bay of Islands. Uh, and that's on, when was that? It was New Year's Day. Oh, God, is this an old story they're making me read? Oh, they are. 21st, that was a few days ago, Ricardo. There, you can have a look at that if you're interested. Okay, let's move um, back to the Otago Daily Times and we'll have a look there at some news. Car Park Roulette. Oh, that's right, that man. He racked up $17,000 in parking fines. A man who racked them up, $17,000 worth of tickets, 
uh, and other vehicle-related infringements like no warrant of fitness and no registration, that type of thing. After eight years, he's finally paid it all off. There's a story at the Otago Daily Times. You can find them at odt.co.nz. And one person is dead in an Auckland crash. One person has died following a single vehicle crash in South Auckland, Otara. That was last night. And the mother of a teen torture victim sentenced for hammer attacks. The woman has been sentenced to prison for participating in a series of broad daylight attacks in Auckland Central, including a moment of thuggery in which a stranger was hit over the head. Nasty, and she's got the tats as well. Something about the tats. Mountain biker has been killed in the forest. Mountain biker riding has died at the, in the uh, uh, Woodhill Forest. Uh, that's on Auckland's west coast. And um, concert goers, they had the cars towed. That was that uh, Mario Island, Pacific Islander, charging them 20 bucks. He had the high-vis suit, and they got 20 bucks, and then they got the car towed away. Now, insurer reveals that the country's most stolen cars, the Toyota Aqua, was, uh, is uh, once again holding the, un- the unwanted title of New Zealand's most stolen car. And drop me to my knees. Influencer reveals cancer diagnosis. A businesswoman, social media influencer, and mum of four, in the fight for her life after being diagnosed with an aggressive and rare stage four of cancer. Now, a group desperate for uh, charity on new government's water reforms. Infrastructure New Zealand is pushing for water infrastructure to be taken off the financial books of councils. So they should. Teenager was A teenager, of course, was killed on Murawai Beach as the, the uh, ute rolls on the beach. There are calls to permanently ban vehicles from Murawai Beach after a person died in a ute when it rolled over. That was yesterday, crushing the teenage girl. And we've got a vicious road rage attack was caught on camera. A terrifying road rage attack on Blenheim Road in Christchurch has been caught on camera. You can see that at the Otago Daily Times, odt.co.nz. Ex-Dunedin man's son suffers a brain injury after a seizure. A former Dunedin man, Greg Gillies, uh, or Greg Giles, I should say, 10-year-old son. He's been completely a different boy after a 70-minute seizure brought on what they say is influenza A. I wonder if he was jabbed. Oh, dear. I hope not. Poor fellow. And it's very sad. I just feel so sad, sorry for the whole family. Oh, gosh. You just can't imagine it, can you, what, what it would be like. Oh, gosh. It brings tears to my eyes. Just thinking what it would be like to have that happen to your own child. Overseas drivers charged with causing death of a librarian, a 47-year-old man visiting New Zealand for, uh, from overseas, has pleaded guilty to a charge of causing the death of a school librarian following a crash in Canterbury Village of Castle Hill. That was last week. Heavy rain lashes Westland and the East Cape. Uh, we've got heavy rain continued to lash the eastern parts of the North Island and Westland overnight, and uh, weather warnings remain in place for Gisborne. And a sense of unity at the national meeting of Māori, uh, the national uh, Kingitanga Hui held at Waikato at the weekend at Narawahia. Uh, that was at the weekend. It was one of the most significant uh, Hui events, which is a meeting in recent decades in New Zealand with the local um, tribes. Uh, that, that's what they said, uh, one of the heads there. And it's a race. It was a race. Now, we're getting down to the end of that now, so we better just leave that where it is, the Otago Daily Times. And uh, I'm just going to move in now and have a look at, uh, no, we'll just stay with that, stay with that, and uh, we'll move across to Sky News now and see what they've got uh, for us. It's 14 minutes to 7, 14 to 7, and New South Wales Cabinet Minister's wife disciplined for pro-Palestinian activism at school. 
explosive audio reveals how a New South Wales cabinet minister's wife has been critical of the um, and uh, sorry have cr- uh, critical in planning pro-Palestinian protests and uh, in public schools despite being disciplined by the Department of Education for activism at the school that where she teaches. ABC union members, they passed vote of no confidence, forcing David Anderson to meet with staff. ABC staff have put management on notice after passing a vote of no confidence amongst uh, against the managing director, David Anderson, for forcing him to meet uh, forcing him to meet with uh, disgruntled employees and to take immediate action over the broadcaster's damaged reputation. With weather, thousands without power as Queensland hit with more intense weather. And the intense heat has hit southwest Queensland, or rather southeast, and uh, as the tropical cyclone intensifies further up the coast, leaving thousands of homes in the dark as power outages sweep the state. Pro-Palestinian activist Stalls AO, that's the Australian Open match, Charles Courton leaflets, a pro-Palestinian, or let's say a pro-terrorist really, isn't it? Pro-Muslim terrorist protester disrupted a, a, a round four match during the Australian Open on Monday, uh, showering the court with leaflets, right? Bit of a, a bit of a repeat there. In politics, his promises are meaningless. Angus Taylor puts Prime Minister on notice over rumoured tax cut changes. The Shadow Treasury, that means the opposition, I quite like that Shadow shadow Treasury, it says what it is, isn't it? It should be a shadow too, watching every move that, that the government makes. They have, he's lashed out at Anthony Albanese's accusa- accusing him of breaking a key election promise, which they all do, to leave tax cuts untouched after reports surfaced that uh, the plan could undergo a restruct- restruction this week. So they're going to restructure it. Aussie cricket star Glenn Maxwell under investigation after a hospital visit. Uh, the uh, Australian, rather, the Cricket Australia has launched an investigation after the star player Glenn Maxwell was hospitalised on Friday during a night out in Adelaide. And Sky News Australia is now available online, and they've dropped it from six dollars a month to five dollars a month. So if you're overseas and you want to keep up to date with Sky, uh, $5 a month is all it's going to cost you. It's the biggest names and news and opinion. They're back for a tw- 2024, and you can now stream them live or watch any uh, time on demand, at any time on demand, through the, um, the skynews.com.au streaming subscription. So there we are. Now, we've got some opinions here. We've got, um, you call yourself a Cricket Australia, pathetic scrapping Australia Day has been slammed. We'll go over to Sky News now and we'll have a listen to that. Let's start with the day that's happening later this week, which we are apparently just not allowed to mention, not allowed to talk about, of course, Australia Day. And yes, we are all sick to death of hearing about it, but organisations like Woolworths, Tennis Australia and now Cricket Australia, to name a few, want to ram it down our throats that we shouldn't be allowed to feel proud of our National Day. We shouldn't feel proud of being Australians or living in the best country in the world and celebrating that. Instead, the message they want us to believe is that we should feel ashamed, that it's our fault what occurred centuries ago and those who even dare to show a sense of national pride should be frowned upon. Cricket Australia has gone so woke, they've scrapped the day altogether. Pretend like it just never existed. So much so that they will not even mention the words Australia Day on Friday during the Gabba test. 
Instead, the day itself will be marked in passing by a ground announcer and an acknowledgement that the day means vastly different things to different people. <laughs> Try and understand that. The Gabba is an Australia Day free zone. Shh, don't mention the name. Don't say it out loud. And you call yourself Cricket Australia. Pathetic. At least there is one Labor politician willing to have the spine to stand up to this madness today, and that's the New South Wales Premier, Chris Minns. It's probably a bit of a head-scratcher for a lot of people tuning in from around the world, watching cricket or tennis and wondering why on Australia's National Day it's not even being mentioned. So I think they should revisit it. I hope they do. And I know I'll be celebrating Australia Day and millions of other people after a tough couple of years will take the opportunity to spend time with family and friends as well. Oh, it gets worse, by the way. Toddlers and preschoolers in some childcare centres are being taught that Australia was stolen from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. The Aussie Childcare Network is even suggesting that centres could commemorate Australia Day by flying the Aboriginal flag at half-mast or observing a moment of silence. Now, preschoolers are being made to feel ashamed. This is indoctrination in modern-day Australia. Leave kids out of it, for Christ's sake. The days of proudly waving the Australian flag, wearing Aussie gear, the sombreros, the flag tattoos. Remember when thousands of beachgoers would paddle off Bondi Beach on blow-up thongs with huge Australian flags printed on them? Well, those days are over. How sad is that? And where is the Prime Minister on this? Where is his national pride? Where is his firm commitment for our National Day? This is all the PM could offer up on the issue today. I think we need to stop looking for areas in which we can be outraged. As usual, he is nowhere. You see, the PM is scared of his own shadow on this. 60% of us said no to his divisive voice to Parliament and now he wouldn't dare involve himself in the Australia Day debate. His confidence is so shattered, he can't show the leadership that is, well, actually required from a Prime Minister. And in the meantime, we, as a nation, are even more divided as we tiptoe around this issue for yet another year. Eight minutes to seven, and uh, that was good, wasn't it? Now, her name, she's Kenny. Her name, that's the Kenny Report. And that is uh, real news with uh, honest views. Now, uh, Sheer Gutless, MP standing for nothing during the Australia, D Australia Day, according to Petra. That's what she says. Petra Creedon, let's hear her. But first this week, in three days' time, in fact, Australia's population is tipped to hit 27 million. Now, it was only in 2018 that we made headlines for reaching 25 million, and now we're well on our way to the 30s, even with the doors closed shut for those two years during COVID. This massive population spike is overwhelmingly driven by migration. And it's not hard to understand why, given that in the last financial year, we took in over half a million new migrants, breaking all previous Australian records. Now, as good as migration has been for this country, it would be easier to feel comfortable about this huge increase if those coming in were all joining Team Australia. But it's hardly their fault if some of them are confused about their new country because too many Australians are, not you and me, but too many Australians running big public companies and sporting bodies, well, they're worried about who they are and what Australia stands for. And just like there were during the voice debate, 
These big corporates and big sportos can't decide whether being Australian is a source of pride or shame. Now, that's the issue, isn't it, for any number of people who really should know better. Like the board and senior management at Woolworths, now christened Wokeworth, who ostentatiously last week announced they wouldn't carry Australia Day merchandise because our National Day, they say, means different things to different people. Not that the different things to different people lines ever stop Woolies celebrating other events like Islam's Ramadan or the Hindu Festival of Lights, Deepavali. It's not only traditional Australian celebrations, it seems, though, that induce this wokeness out of Woolworths. Here is John Paul Drake, who runs the family-owned Drake supermarket chain in Queensland and South Australia. He's cranky about the Woolies stand and he doesn't miss when it comes to his competitor. With Woolworths saying they're not going to be selling any Australia Day merchandise, that really ticked off off the box. Our exec team isn't sitting in double bay or in high-flying um, high-rises. We, we are actually listening to what our customers want. And it's very clear, our customers want to be able to purchase Australia Day merchandise. Each year, it's almost as if there's a rhythm to our cultural self-loathing, a whole set of hatreds and angst that roll around with the calendar. We're supposed to feel guilty about racing spring carnival because activists tell us the industry's cruel to horses. We're then supposed to be embarrassed about Christmas because, surprise, surprise, it's Christian. And no sooner is Christmas over than we now get a good four weeks plus of Australia Day bashing prior to January 26th. All that's needed is for the footy codes to start examining their white privilege or the toxic masculinity of contact sport, and we can end up with a whole year of feeling guilty. Today, Cricket Australia joined Tennis Australia in cancelling Australia Day. The Daily Telegraph reports the Brisbane Test match with the West Indies will now begin with a ubiquitous welcome to country, and that on Australia Day itself on the Friday, they will, and I quote, market in passing with a ground announcer saying very much this day means different things to different people. Cricket Australia, well, they won't acknowledge Australia Day. Indeed, the term Australia Day, the paper reports, will not be used. That's right, Cricket Australia has banned the words Australia Day on Friday at the Gabba. Instead, we're told Cricket Australia is, and I quote, keen to promote inclusivity and respect from patrons regardless of their views on the date itself, which is widely viewed as a day of mourning by Indigenous people. Now, seriously, could you imagine the baseball in America dumping its 4th of July fireworks or the US Open banning displays of the Stars and Stripes flag? And sure, there's a few of the usual suspects who keep talking about Invasion Day as part of the guilting of the rest of us into supporting a professional activist class largely on the taxpayer But most Aboriginal people, like the vast majority of Australians born here or recently arrived, who regard this country as blessed, regard it as, well, worth something celebrating on the 26th. Australians are just over it. You know, they're more worried about uh, the cost of living. Uh, They don't want to have to deal with the corporates trying to uh, tell them how to suck eggs, tell them how they (laughs) should behave or think or feel or you know, feel about the country that they love. 
So that's why Cricket Australia, including Chairman Mike Baird, pandering to this left-wing cultural Marxist nonsense by getting all coy and virtue signalling about our National Day doesn't make sense. Now, I might add, this is the same Mike Baird who's just been lamenting that today's political leaders lack conviction, and I quote, they don't do what they believe in. Now, Baird had no issue with Australia Day when he was the New South Wales Liberal Premier, so what's changed? It certainly is not a view shared by Baird's predecessor, successor, Labor's Chris Minns. Australia Day is the 26th of January. It's an opportunity for us to come together and celebrate the fact that we live in the greatest country on earth. I think they should revisit it. I hope they do. And I know I'll be celebrating Australia Day and millions of other people after a tough couple of years will take the opportunity to spend time with family and friends as well. But where Mintz was strong, the Prime Minister was weak when he was asked about Cricket Australia today in an interview with Sky News. I think we need to stop looking for areas in which we can be outraged. We need to come together. Look, it's, people will go to the cricket, people will uh, celebrate, or for some people, for First Nations people, I respect uh, the views uh, that they have. I mean, come on, people trying to dump our National Day, fair enough we can be outraged. The Prime Minister never actually answered the question. He just dodged it in his usual style, pretending to be all things to everyone, but in the end, standing up for nothing. In fact, it's the sheer gutlessness of Albanese's attacks on Australia Day that have really ticked people off, allowing local councils to ban it by stealth, sitting by and watching state governments like this one in Victoria, cancelling traditional parades and, and, and calling to an end community events. But the PM still wants us to think he supports our National Day. Here is leading Melbourne Breakfast Show producer, broadcaster, Ross Stevenson, who nailed it on radio this morning. It's like this. Um, I'm not going to do your work for you, Government. You're the one who's declared it Australia Day. Right. If you don't have the guts to come out and say it's not Australia Day, hmm. I'm not going to do your work for you. Right. <laughs> You yeah. decide whether it's Australia Day right. or not. Right. You have gazetted it as, mm -hmm. a, as Australia Day. Mm -hmm. Therefore, mm -hmm. on Friday, mm -hmm. I am celebrating Australia Day. Right. If you have the guts to do what you really want to do, I get this it. Hour, go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Indonesia's Mount Merapi experienced a significant eruption on Sunday, resulting in the release of hot gas clouds and lava flows. Prompting evacuations is that the volcanoes in the country also showed increased activity. Situated on the densely populated island of Java, Merapi discharged ash clouds in a blend of rock and lava that extended as far as two kilometers down its slopes. The eruption propelled a column of hot clouds approximately 100 meters into the air, covering several villages in ash. Fortunately, no casualties were reported. Merapi is recognized as the most active among Indonesia's 120-plus volcanoes. The latest eruption follows the elevation of its alert level to the second highest in November of 2020 due to heightened activity detected by sensors. Residents living on Merapi's slopes have been advised to maintain a distance of at least 7 kilometers from the crater and to remain vigilant for potential threats posed by the flowing lava. This ambassador to China, Jennifer May, has indicated that Ottawa is seeking cooperation with Beijing in the fight against the illegal fentanyl trade. 
His collaborative approach contrasts with the United States' strategy of imposing sanctions on China over precursor chemicals used in manufacturing the lethal drug. During an interview on the CBC podcast The House, aired on January 20th, Ambassador May discussed the early stages of discussions about potential collaboration. She highlighted the involvement of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and the presence of a liaison officer in China. May also mentioned the engagement of Mexico in the United States, emphasizing the importance of an international approach to tackling the issue. Residents of Queensland are preparing for the possibility of a Category 3 cyclone, anticipated to hit the coast soon after the area recently experienced severe weather conditions. According to the Bureau of Meteorology, a tropical low currently present in the Coral Sea is projected to intensify into a cyclone by late Monday. This developing cyclone will be named Kiralee. Forecasts indicate it could reach the Queensland coast as a severe cyclone by Thursday. However, there remains uncertainty regarding the exact location of its landfall. Sergei Narishkin, the head of the Russian Foreign Intelligence Service, has asserted that the United States is in the process of establishing what he described as the colonial administration in Ukraine. According to Narishkin, this involves the integration of local politicians who are aligned with U.S. interests. Narishkin claimed on Monday that the U.S. government has pressured Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to dismiss dozens of high-ranking Ukrainian officials. These officials are allegedly no longer trusted by Washington, and the demand for their removal is said to be under various pretexts. Narishkin's statement, as reported by the SVR press service, suggests that the U.S. intends to replace these positions with Ukrainians who have been trained in the West and who have pledged their loyalty to American interests. He commented, as part of the policy of total vassalization of Ukraine, the U.S. has started forming what is essentially a colonial administration in that country. In a recent court session presided over by U.S. District Judge Amy Totenberg in Atlanta, Georgia, University of Michigan computer science and engineering professor J. Alex Halderman delivered a notable testimony. During this session, which took place in the federal court on Friday, Haldeman demonstrated the ability to breach the security of a Dominion voting machine, which has been in use in Georgia elections since 2020. In a striking display, Haldeman was able to manipulate the vote tabulation of the Dominion voting machine right in the courtroom. Remarkably, he accomplished this using only a pen to alter the vote totals. His testimony was part of an ongoing lawsuit brought by election integrity activists structured as a bench trial. The plaintiffs in the case are advocating for the replacement of what they consider to be vulnerable voting machines currently used in Georgia. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. For those who crave more than just reading headlines in their social media feeds. People need to wake up. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at 5. And now, wireless weather. Let's look at the extremes. Wittianga, 22.4 degrees. Lumsden, 9.3. Nugget Point, the windiest place, 67 kilometres of wind. It's whipping up there. Omaru, 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 8 millimetres of rain there. The temperature's right across the main centre. Stewart Island's on 8 degrees. It's going to get cooler by the end of the day, and it's going to be cool for the next 48 hours. Invercargill, 10 degrees. Chatham Island, it's still warm and muggy over there with the rain as well. 18 degrees. Denise Eden 13, Timaru 16 degrees, Christchurch is on 18, 16 in Blenheim, named, that was where Winston Churchill lived in Blenheim Castle. Nelson, Nelson 18 degrees, further down the west coast, 17 degrees in Westport, and France Joseph's on 15 degrees, Queenstown's on 10. Moving up to the North Island, Wellington 18 degrees, Masterton 20, 
Napier has 18 degrees, Palmerston North 21, New Plymouth next to Mount Egmont 20 degrees, Taupo and Rotorua 18 for Taupo and 20 degrees for Rotorua. Uh, we've got Gisborne on 20 degrees, Tauranga has 21 this morning, ha- Hamilton 19 degrees, 22 in Auckland, Whangarei is 19 degrees and Kaitaia has uh, 21 degrees. The short forecast for all New Zealand valid until midnight tonight for Northland, Auckland, Waikato, Coromandel and the Bay of Plenty, partly cloudy with isolated showers becoming widespread with some heavy falls and possible thunderstorms for a time later this morning and this afternoon. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, mainly fine, uh, but scattered showers in the afternoon and evening. For Waitomo to Wellington and Wairarapa, including the central high country, rain spreading east this morning with possible thunderstorms easing to showers later this afternoon. For Marlborough and Nelson, rain with some possible heavy, about the ranges, possible heavy rain, easing to isolated showers this morning and then it's clearing to fine in the afternoon. Afternoon. For Buller and Westland, also for Fiordland, periods of rain with some heavy uh, falls, thundery at times, easing to showers this morning. For Canterbury, Otago and Southland, rain with heavy falls, possibly thunderstorms in Canterbury, easing to showers from uh, south, that's the south uh, this, uh, this morning. And also for the Chatham Islands, periods of rain, possibly heavy, easing this afternoon.
Her name is Kelsey Ballerini. No, it's not. It's Ashley Munro, and it's a song called Drive. came out in 2003. Oh, three. Yes, it came out in 2003. All right, nine, ten minutes past seven. Good morning to you. And we are having a look to see what happened on this day in history. On the 23rd of January, if you're having a birthday today, Happy, happy, happy birthday to you. 1855 on this day, there was a massive earthquake that hit the southern North Island and uh, the magnitude 8.2 earthquake had a profound impact on the development of Wellington City. Land raised from, uh, from the harbour along with uh, the additional reclamations formed much of modern Wellington's central business district. The earthquake also drained notoriously swampy areas in the Hutt Valley and Wellington, including the future site of the Basin Reserve Cricket Ground. Now, uh, movement on a fault in Palliser Bay caused the earthquake, which struck at 11 minutes past 9 at night and lasted for 50 seconds. It lifted the southern end of the Rumataka Range by a staggering 6 metres. Uh, about 10 minutes after the main shock, a four-metre-high tsunami entered Wellington Harbour, sending water surging back and forth, flooding Lampton Quay. Several buildings collapsed, including a two-storey council chambers and the uh, adjoining government offices. Most single-storey wooden buildings survived, despite damage. So, I'll tell you what, there's something to be said for wood. Wood moves a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> I know, because I smacked my, my little cottage uh, with the um, my 10-ton digger a couple of days ago, and uh, it, uh, it just sort of shook a bit, but it uh, all stayed together. No real damage. But anyway, these wooden buildings, they survived in Wellington, despite the damage caused by falling brick chimneys and also uh, the shifting foundations. Des despite the strength, the quake killed only a few people, one in Wellington, two in Manawatu, and up to six, I think it was, in Wairapa. That happened on this day, January the 23rd, 1855. 1855. Um, it's 12 minutes past seven, and you're listening to the Liberty NZ Breakfast, The World at One with Grant Edwards, uh, brought to you by the Liberty NZ Podcast. If you haven't heard the podcast, um, you can if you miss this program early in the morning, it starts at five every morning, weekdays. Go over to Podbean and follow us, and uh, you can catch up on all the um all the events over there. Uh, also, we've had our um, uh, YouTube channel. That's been uh, another strike on that for something really silly. Just reading out. I just all I was doing was just reading out something. I had the word cure in it. <laughs> that was about the guy that was giving. Um, I think Janola, pretty much uh, MMS is the um, that he's been selling. Apparently, it works. Apparently, it's really good. It's a cure for cancer. Uh, as well, and uh, I was a bit, uh, I was a bit derogatory about it actually when I first heard it. But they say if you get the dose right, it's very good. Uh, but they've put this man in jail, Roger. He's in jail right now uh, for uh, selling it, and they're saying, oh, he's made all this money, but not really. Over a couple of years, I think two or three years, uh, he only made one hundred and six thousand dollars, which is not very much. I wouldn't think to keep the show on the road, uh, but they made it sound really bad, didn't they? Of course. This is G. Edward Griffin. Uh, Griffith, I should say, and uh, he's going to be talking to us about democracy and just how bad democracy is. It's not good unless you've got that little bit of paper telling uh, the government what they can do and can't do. It must and we must have a constitution. Democracy is a form of government based upon the principle of majority rule, period. End of discussion. Now, that's not very complicated. Majority rule. It's easy to understand, easy to sell to the masses and I might add deadly. For example, what would you call a lynch mob? That's majority rule. There's only one dissenting vote, and he's at the end of the rope. Now, that's pure democracy 
in action. Uh, but wait a minute, you say. The majority should rule, yes, but not to the extent of destroying the rights of the minority. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are no longer describing a democracy. We are speaking of a republic. A republic is a limited democracy. It's a form of government based upon the principle of limited majority rule. Limited so that the minority, even a minority of one, can be protected against the whims and passions of the majority. And how do you protect the minority from the majority? You write down a set of rules on a piece of paper. You say, this we can do, that we cannot. At the top of the paper, you write the word constitution. And then everyone agrees to follow the rules no matter what the temptation. And when you're finished, you've created a constitutional republic. It's a quarter past seven, and that is G. Edward Griffith. Did you know that Vladimir Putin, the Russian's president, he's passed a law that any Russian who grows or sells genetically modified foods is to be considered a terrorist. Whew. He's even giving land away to Russians who will grow food organically, non-GMO. You put his name and GMO in Google ad and you'll read the spiel. He says, we Russians look across at the West, over-vaccinated, over-medicated, over-fed, sitting in front of boxes every night in their lounge rooms, eating food that has no nutrients, he said, and we know it's weakening the West. Is he right? Absolutely right. Yeah. Unfortunately, Monsanto is so powerful and so wealthy and so big, they win every court case where Australians want GMO to be labelled on the products. Happens in America too, it's unfortunate. So how do you know? Well, you don't, unless you buy organic. You see, if an organic farmer uses genetically modified seed, they lose their organic status. So grow as much as you can yourself. And the more Aussies that buy organic, the more organic will be available. One organic tomato will give you nine times the iron of a conventionally grown tomato. So you get much more value for your money, even though organic is more expensive. Genetically modified food happens when the DNA of two different species are spliced together to create, for instance, DNA of the tomato with the DNA of an Atlantic salmon hoping to create a tomato that grows in the snow but actually it doesn't grow in the snow and it has five centers instead of one and there's all these strange things happening and when the person eats that tomato it breaks down to molecules that your body cannot recognize and has the ability to damage your DNA. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The oh. World at Five. Okie dokie, seven minutes past seven. Good morning to you. And it's the 23rd of January. If you're having a birthday today, happy birthday to you. We'll go back to this day in history and we'll have a look at the uh, yacht race they had from Wellington all the way to Christchurch. And that was a nasty day on this day in 1955. We'll be reading about that uh, coming up. And also at 6.30, we'll have the latest Radio New Zealand Bulletin. And that's coming up at 6.30. I actually knew someone and I was working as an estate agent and there was a guy who left working as an estate agent because he realised he could make just as much money off of the benefit system being at home with his three kids as he could being at work. So it's like if we're going to reward people for doing nothing, then they're going to do nothing.
18 minutes past seven and uh, the government, they kept life-saving treatments secret from us. These injections were unleashed under the emergency use authorization. Emergency use authorization is really only legally valid if there's no other treatment currently available. And that is a lie as well. Government decrees today continue to forbid doctors to prescribe life-saving, fully approved FDA medicines. They must follow government-dictated protocols, and those continue to kill. There are quite a few drugs that have been used for decades for all kinds of other ailments, and the doctors have tested out with COVID patients, and they worked. They save lives. I've interviewed Vladimir Zelenko, who just died recently. He himself saved 7,000 people. He lost three patients, only three. No agency, no public health agency can match that. What they have done, actually, is forbid doctors from using these drugs. They forbade hospitals. I had seven COVID patients, including a 31-year-old woman. I was not allowed to treat these people. I had to stand by idly. I had to stand by idly watching these people die. He certainly did. Terrible, isn't it? It's 20 minutes past seven. You're with the Liberty NZ Breakfast. My name's Grant Edwards. And the political year has begun with headlines dominated by the response to the new coalition government's policies related to Maori. More than 10,000 people gathered at Tu Rangawawai Marae in Narawahia on Saturday for a unified response to the to coalition's government's policies impacting Maori and the Treaty of Waitangi, including opposition, uh, opposing the ACT Party's uh, moves to redefine the principles of the treaty. ACT Party leader and Cabinet Minister David Seymour told Radio New Zealand Midday Report that it was wrong to see the Treaty of Waitangi as a partnership between Maori and the Crown. In response, however, National MP and Finance Minister Nicola Willis told Radio New Zealand's First Up programme that it was clear that the Treaty of Waitangi established a foundational relationship between the Crown and the tribes. Uh, she says, it is our founding document. I don't agree with you there, actually. Our founding document as a nation. Uh, now that relationship works, or how it works in practice, is something that the courts will uh, have likened to being like a partnership. Oh, I'm very surprised that she said that. The question then becomes, well, what does partnership mean? And there's been a lot of debate about that through the courts, through Parliament, by different people with different views on that. From the government's perspective, our commitment is to honouring the Treaty of Waitangi, honouring the settlements that have been made under the treaty and continuing the process and uh, to progress better outcomes for Māori and non-Māori alike. We're not happy uh, where, uh, where, things, where things are at all. We want to do more to advance the quality of opportunity. We want to do more to deliver for Maori, and we're getting on with that work of doing that. Our government, this is Nicola Willis, our government is very committed to progressing results for Maori, and we're committed to that relationship that the Treaty of Waitangi promises. We're going to uphold that, and we'll have the opportunities over the next couple of weeks to make that clear. The Prime Minister will be speaking at Ratna this week, and many of our ministers 
will be attending celebrations for Waitangi in the uh, up north, and that's on the 6th of February. At the Nationwide Hui, the meeting on Saturday, the king, uh, that's the Maori king, said that the world was watching, uh, and the government would be foolish to underestimate what the tr- what uh, Te Reo Maori uh, was capable of. Oh, that sounds like a threat to me. Don't you? The way forward needs to bring peace and unity for everybody. That is true. The Maori and the Green parties had said the Prime Minister should have attended the um, the National Hui, the Maori meeting, but Labour, whose leader also did not attend, brushed off concerns. So last week, a draft memo was leaked from the Ministry of Justice about the government's proposed treaty principles. The Maori Party leader, uh, uh, co-leader, Rawiri Waititi, he posted a screenshot of the leaked document on social media on Friday, saying that it showed the government's intentions to erase the Treaty of Waitangi. While ACT defined the bill, or rather defended the bill, National repeated its uh, position of supporting it no further than select committee, while opposition parties said that the Prime Minister should put a stop to it. Willis confirmed that National will not support its coalition partner ACT's Treaty Principles Bill, past first select committee reading. This was an area where, this is what she says, where there have been uh, um, concessions. Uh, Obviously, the different parties in the coalition have different policies that were a priority for them. For ACT, having a debate about the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi, it was a priority. In our coalition agreement, National agreed that we'd support them to, to have a debate at select committee, but that our position was that we would not commit to the refer- a referendum uh, that we want uh, that they want to see, and therefore uh, we wouldn't commit to that bill going any further than select committee. Uh, that remains our position. On Monday, Maori uh, Development Minister Tama Potaka told the Morning Report he understood that it was a draft, and that it has not been seen uh, the full content rather hasn't been seen by the caucus. A debate about the treaty principles is something that we do every day and uh, how far we can uh, can go with the treaty and its principles, and where does it take us. My absolute focus is to acknowledge the treaty as a foundational document at the uh, the start of this country, past, present and future. It It is fundamental to our nation, and there are few things like treaty settlements that continue to be unresolved, and we need to address them. He said the weekend meeting, the Māori meeting, the hui, which he attended, was a marvellous show of mana, uh, mutu haki, and uh, ko, I think it's kota hikitangi, I think it is, kota hikitangi. I don't think I've seen anything like that in my lifetime. So he liked it, but the others, they stayed away. Now, let's move over to a different uh, tune now. 25 minutes past, coming up 25 minutes past seven. At half past seven, we'll have the seven o'clock bulletin from Radio New Zealand. You can find them online at rnz.co. Remember this gaslighting that Christopher, uh, Chris uh, Hipkins was doing to us? I'll never forget it. I'm not going to let you guys forget it either. Um, in terms of the vaccine mandates, I acknowledge that it was a challenging time for people, but they made ultimately made their own choices. There was no, there was no compulsory vaccination. People made their own choices. The government is planning to require every single teacher at every level and all support staff who work with children to be vaccinated. There was no compulsory vaccination. News Hub can reveal the mandate Chris Hipkins is taking to Cabinet on Monday is a mighty big stick. 
every educator who works with a child will have to be vaccinated. People made their own choices. I can now confirm that we'll be extending this requirement to large parts of our health and education workforces as well. There was no compulsory vaccination. Cabinets agreed that high-risk workers in and and the health and disability sector will need to be fully vaccinated by the 1st of December. People made their own choices. This includes general practitioners, pharmacists, community health nurses, midwives, paramedics and all healthcare workers in sites where vulnerable patients are treated, including intensive care units. There was no compulsory vaccination. We'll also be including certain non-regulated healthcare workforces, including aged residential care, home and community support services, kaupapa Māori health providers and non-government organisations that provide health services. People made their own choices. Schools and early learning staff and the support people who work with them, who have contact with children and students, will need to be fully vaccinated by the 1st of January 2022. There was no compulsory vaccination. That includes home-based educators, all those who support people in our schools and early learning services, such as teacher aides, administration and maintenance staff, and contractors. People made their own choices. Secondary schools in Kura will also be required to keep a COVID-19 vaccination register of their students. There was no compulsory vaccination. Students that don't produce evidence of vaccination will be considered unvaccinated. People made their own choices. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. Well, it's 29 minutes past. At half past, we'll have the Radio New Zealand's latest report. That's their latest news bulletin. That was at 7 o'clock. You can find them at rnz.co.nz. We're over at RNZ right now. Let's have a look at the front page. Of course, the founding document, Willis on Seymour's treaty remarks. She's not. She doesn't agree with them. Now, no beaches should be driven on, according to a councillor after the death. A Porirua councillor says one of the, their beaches has become a lot safer after banning vehicles when residents raise safety concerns. And Co, New Zealand golfer Co, she bounces back at the world rankings. Kiwi golfer has won the session open, the LPGA tournament in Florida, her first victory on the tour in more than a year. And school uniforms, gosh, it's that time of the year again, isn't it? School uniform prices, they pile pressure on parents. Uh, One woman says, I realise to get her everything that she needs by the time she starts school next week would cost almost $800, 800 Good grief. Upsets continue in the women's draw at the Australian Open. Uh, I'll just quick click on that one there and tell you what that one's all about. Qualifier, uh, Di- uh, Diana uh, Yestremska, she is the giant killer. <laughs> Linda Noskova continued a fairy tale run into the quarterfinals of the Australian Open on Monday, but it was all familiar faces on the men's side with Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, he led a trio of top speeds through. A trio of top seeds, rather, through. <laughs> he has uh, changed, uh, uh, charged past uh, Moyon Mur. Oh, gosh, here's another one. Kimanovic <laughs> to reach the last eight at the Melbourne Park for the first time. But the two Grand Slam titles to his name, uh, he has a 20-year-old second seed, is already well acquainted with the business end of the majors. And so, too, is former US Open champion uh, Daniil Mediv, Div, well, they've got some interesting names. A 6 3, 7 6, 4, uh, 5 7, and a 6 1 winner over Nuno Borges. Uh, that's the sixth seed, Alexander. Looks like Zevrev, <laughs> who won his fourth round against, uh, I should read this first, his contest against Cameron Nori, uh, 7 5, 
3663 and that says a three in brackets, whatever that is. You a tennis fan? <laughs> in a super tiebreaker. There we are. That's the news on the tennis. Uh, there we go. And Australia, a golden visa scheme for wealthy investors has been axed. And the ex-Aucklander finally pays $17,000 worth of parking fines. He really ranked them up. He just put it off till the next day. OK, we're going now to Radio New Zealand and we'll have their 7 o'clock bulletin. Uh, and when I come back, I'll give you a quick weather update for what you can expect tomorrow. RNZ News at 7 o'clock. Atamarie, good morning. I'm Karen McCarthy. The consumer watchdog is to investigate whether the supermarket duopoly is complying with the Fair Trading Act. The Commerce Commission is looking into Woolworths, which operates Countdown, Fresh Choice and Super Value, and Foodstuffs, which operates New World, Pack and Save and Foursquare. Chris Sessford reports. The Commerce Commission says the focus will be to consider whether certain pricing and promotional practices of the supermarkets comply with the Fair Trading Act. It says the investigations are in the early stages and it cannot comment further. Both Foodstuffs and Woolworths say they will comply fully. Last August, the advocacy body Consumer New Zealand complained to the Commission, asking it to investigate the supermarket chains for potential breaches of the Act. Kingi Tuhaitia will attend the celebrations in Whanganui today to remember the founder of the Ratana Church, Tahupotiki Wiramu Ratana. More iwi representatives than usual are expected to attend this year as discussions on the, the new government's treaty policies are set to continue. Here's our Māori news editor, Taiha Molyneux. A strong and very clear message shared by those who participated in forums at Tūranga Waiwamarai in Ngārua Wahia was absolute opposition to the ACT Party's proposed treaty reform. Successive governments were also accused of being treaty illiterate. At Ratana today, Tūwharetoa leader Te Arikita Tumuteheuheu and Kingi Tūheitia will continue to drive strategies formulated last weekend. When politicians attend tomorrow, they want to reaffirm the messages not only to the coalition partners, but also to the opposition Labour Party leader, Chris Hipkins. The Cabinet will today meet for the first time this year. The Prime Minister, Christopher Luxon, will give his first post-Cabinet media conference of the year this afternoon. He travels to Ratana tomorrow. Israeli troops have reportedly moved into the Al-Mawasawi district west of Khan Yunus for the first time as their forces intensify their bombardment of southern Gaza. In Israel, dozens of protesters have broken into a meeting in Parliament demanding the government do more to free hostages still held by Hamas in the territory. The BBC's Mark Lowen has more details. The health ministry in Gaza, run by Hamas, has said that uh, 50 people were killed in overnight bombing in around Khan Yunis. There is intense bombardment now, aerial and naval, around Khan Yunis, which is where Israel believes the top Hamas commanders are holed up. It is focusing also around a couple of hospitals in the south. Israel insists, of course, that medical facilities are being used by Hamas. And from Khan Yunis, more and more refugees are moving even further south to Rafah. Rafah is right on the border with Egypt, and that is where the vast majority of Gazans are now taking refuge. With children soon to head back into the classroom, many families are having to pay hundreds of dollars on new school uniforms. Deluvina Malgoa was diagnosed with chronic renal failure in 2017 and received support from work and income. She's trying to buy a uniform for her daughter who will be attending intermediate school this year. I realised to get her everything that she needs by the time she starts next week Wednesday would cost almost $800 which we don't even have a quarter of that um, at the moment. So 
Yeah, it's it's been quite stressful, really. Delyavina Maui Goa says she's aware of other parents in higher income brackets who still find it difficult to meet the costs of uniforms. Researchers have found a strong link between long COVID and chronic fatigue syndrome. A University of Otago study has found therapeutic targeting of the immune response could be effective for both conditions. The study's lead author, Emeritus Professor Warren Tate, says the finding that a coordinated treatment strategy could benefit both patient groups is significant, as it could help millions of people. He says investment in combined clinical trials to treat both long COVID and chronic fatigue syndrome is desperately needed. Waka Kotahi has spent more than 60% of its budget for the Mount Messenger Bypass project in Taranaki without completing a single kilometre of road. The transport agency has laid out $172 million so far for the six-kilometre route on State Highway 3, which has a budget of $280 million. It says roading construction consists of several activities that at any one time do not always add up to actual kilometres of road built. The agency can't say whether it will require more funding to complete the project. It's currently conducting a cost review due to be completed in the first half of this year. Japan hopes it can still salvage its moon lander if sunlight hits it in the right place. The slim spacecraft was turned off just three hours after its historic lunar touchdown at the weekend to save power. Engineers realised its solar cells were pointing west away from the sun and couldn't generate electricity. But the mission team is now hopeful the situation could improve as lighting conditions shift. The slim mission, also nicknamed Moon Sniper for its use of precision landing technologies, made Japan just the fifth nation in history to complete a soft lunar touchdown. The theme to the classic British TV series The Avengers, composed by Laurie Johnson, who's died at the age of 96. Johnson's other memorable TV themes include The Professionals, Animal Magic and This Is Your Life. His film credits include Dr. Strangelove and Tiger Bay. His family said Johnson died in his sleep. They described him as an extraordinary individual who embraced life with passion and brought joy to many. That's the news. Okay, that is the news. 24 minutes away from 8 o'clock. I'll be back with the forecast for tomorrow. For those who crave more than just reading headlines in their social media feeds. People need to wake up. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, let's look at the extended forecast. We'll go for tomorrow. For the North Island, a few showers for Horopanua, Kapiti Coast, Wellington and the Wairarapa. Isolated showers clearing in the west, partly cloudy elsewhere with a late shower with uh, in the Bay of Plenty. Tapo and also Hawke's Bay. You've got some late showers there tomorrow. In the South Island tomorrow, showers for Fiordland, Southland and Clutha. They're going to be easing, partly cloudy elsewhere with isolated showers. On Thursday in the North Island, showers in the east, easing, partly cloudy elsewhere with isolated showers. In the South Island on Thursday, mainly fine weather. Uh, you've got late rain or showers in Fiordland, Southland and Clutha. Looking ahead to Friday in the North Island, fine weather apart from areas of cloud in the east. In the South Island, rain for Fiordland and Westland, 
Southland, heavier times. Scattered rain in the Southern Lakes, Southland and Clutha areas with cloud increasing elsewhere. The extended forecast for the Chatham Islands, cloud and possible showers on Wednesday morning with westerlies. Then it's going to be fine with southerlies becoming south from the late Thursday with southeasterly strengthening. Occasional rain on Friday with strong southeasterlies turning northeasterlies. You read the Bible? I read a portion of it. It's pa- contradictions. Can you give me a contradiction and see if I can fix it for you? Cain and Abel, prime example. They were the first two kids, correct? He kills his brother, he gets banished and goes and finds a, finds a wife. Yeah. Creates a family. How if they're the first two people? God commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. He wasn't telling them to do math, he was saying to have sex. So Adam and Eve bred like rabbits. They had stacks of kids. So many, there was another city. Are you married? No, I'm not. I don't when, marriage. If you do get married, you'll marry a distant sister in the human family. We all do. We're brothers and sisters. You're basically saying we all came from incest. Yeah, if you want to call it incest, but God didn't. I'm not calling it. That's what it is. Well, it's not. If there's no law, there's no transgression. You don't break a law if the law doesn't exist. And there was no law of incest back in those days. That's right, that's Ray Comfort from Christchurch, now living in California. We'll have a report, the news report, the morning report from the New Zealand Herald coming up at 15 minutes, quarter to eight. If you don't have an income, you don't have any tax. So this is what wealthy people are doing. Elon Musk, he is probably the biggest example of this. He never got paid a salary running and owning Tesla. He got paid in stock options. But the stock options that he gets, or originally got, were at $6 a share. So when the stock went up to $1,000 a share, and he was given millions of these stock options. Now, he has on paper a lot of money, but that money isn't in his bank account. Mm -hmm. So what he does is instead of selling it and having an income, he goes to the bank and says, hey, I have these stock options which are worth billions of dollars. How about you give me a loan? He takes that loan, pays three to four to 5% interest on it. And if his company grows, his stock value grows by 6%, he just made a profit Mm. on that. He didn't have to take any money out, never took an income, doesn't pay any taxes. Doesn't pay any taxes. I'm actually having trouble finding that um, New Zealand Herald report. Oh, I wonder if I've um, gone and put it somewhere else. These things can happen, but that'll be coming. Well, I'll try, I'll endeavour to bring it up there for you at then, uh, at quarter to eight. Uh, That's interesting. Why can't I find it? Oh, I don't know. I do not know. All right, why don't we, um, we'll have a listen to this about chocolate and then I will be back with the front page headlines of the newspapers. We'll run through and just see what they've got on offer now that they're all at work at 20 minutes to eight. If you take the really dark chocolate, like 73% cacao, and you make it into a high flavanol hot chocolate drink, and you have it twice a day, this was a clinical study. They found in people who wound up actually drinking the hot chocolate twice a day over the course of a month, they doubled the number of stem cells compared to the people who didn't drink hot chocolate. So the question is, is that important? Well, when they measured their blood flow, they found that the blood flow was much vastly improved. Wow. How much do people have to kind of date around to find somebody, though? Because it does take a bit of exploration to find somebody you're compatible with. So by what age should people have figured it out? Because, I mean, there's always the grass looks greener. So at some point, maybe you should just settle down. But what are your thoughts on that? No matter who you find, they're going to be full of flaws like you are. And so a lot of it is something you create. You want to find someone you can trust and someone that you're attracted to and perhaps someone who shares the same ambitions. And then pretty much all of it after that is what you create rather than what you find. And I'm not suggesting that 
that this is necessarily a desirable alternative. There are many cultures that arrange marriages, and those arranged marriages frequently work. It's not obvious that they work less frequently than relationships or marriages that are predicated on romantic attraction. Don't overestimate the degree to which you have to find someone versus create the relationship. If you want to stay sharp during the day, you got to eat foods that don't spike your glucose. When you hit yourself with three teaspoons of white sugar, you're frying your brain. So like me drinking this coffee right now. Very bad. Fried. Well, you shouldn't put sugar in it. If you just simply change your diet, you're going to be much sharper. Yep, you sure are. Okay, it's 18 minutes to 8, and uh, Nicola Willis, of course, she said our founding document, Willis, on the Seymour's Treaty remarks. She said, the question then becomes, well, what does the partnership mean? The finance minister told Radio New Zealand First Up program. If you go to rnz.co.nz, you can hear that full interview. Uh, No beaches should be driven on, according to a councillor in Poirua. The Porirua councillor says one of their beaches has become a lot safer after banning vehicles when residents raise safety concerns. And Co, she bounces back in world rankings. A Kiwi golfer has won the season's LPG Open tournament in Florida, her first victory on, uh, on the tour in more than a year. 60% of bypass budget spent without a kilometre finished. A $280 million project still doesn't have a complete section of road, but the NZTA, that's New Zealand Transport, says it's done a prep all the prep work. Yes, have they really? There we go. Now, an investigation is underway into the supermarket duopoly and set-up continues in the women's draw at the uh, upsets, rather. <laughs> set-up, how did you get that round the wrong way? Uh, upsets continue in the women's draw at the Australian Open. That's on the front page of the New Zealand Herald. The SPCA, they've halved the pet adoption prices. SPA have slashed its adoption fees to ease pressure on its... Uh, packed animal shelters and uh, with the kittens they just gas them if they uh, can't get rid of them that's what they do in-depth solomon's leaked email shows china's uh, media interference solomon islands media association is calling for respect of the media after leaked emails obtained by the in-depth solomon islands uh, showed beijing attempts to influence newsrooms amateur marvel nick dunlap uh, he has a historic gpa tour win uh, radio new zealand's liam swig he looks at the remarkable achievement by a 20-year-old amateur golfer at the PGA Tour. And uh, Treaty Partnership, a misinterpretation according to Seymour, ACT Party leader, says his party does not regard the Treaty of Waitangi as a partnership between Māori and the Crown. Winston Peters, New Zealand Racing, needs to get its mojo back and compete on the world stage again. And French Polynesian Court launches an investigation into MP's racist speech. Fiji's coalition parties at uh, loggerheads after cabinet minister removed for insubordination and disobedience. There we are. And a pro and teen claim elite national criterium wins. What the heck's that one about? We've got Lydia Ko. She's done very well. Who have we got here? Elite women's um, winner, Michaela Drummond and Riley McMullen. She's uh, there with Charlotte Lucas. Experienced campaigner Michaela Drummond and teenage talent James Gardner, uh, Gardner I should say, claimed the elite honours at the Cycling New Zealand Criterium. Criterium. Uh, Nationals. That was in Palmerston North. It was a special hometown moment for Drummond, the international road professional and double track world record uh, championship medalist. Uh, she sat in a six strong lead bunch that turned up the heat on the rest of the field. Uh, under the pressure exerted initially by the under-23 MTB world champion, Sammy Maxwell. And then, 
World Tour road rider Kim Kadzov, Kadzo, I should say. Uh, they pushed well clear with no other riders in the lead up in the lead lap before Drummond used her track speed and her nous to sprint clear and claim the elite women's honours ahead of Riley McMillan, McMullen and veteran Charlotte Lucas. There we are. She said she's very happy with that. It was a big goal of mine to take the national jersey to Europe. I'm just so stoked. She said, oh, I'd be stoked as well. I did a bit of cycling when I was 10. Used to go up Potts Hill with the cycling club. But then they all started shaving their legs, and I thought, no, I'm not into that. <laughs> They're a weird bunch, aren't they, eh? Curious they are. Come on, I only say the things you that you, um, you're thinking. Now, the Jovid 19 update. Apparently, they've got 8,040 new cases with 320 people. That's not right. That was old news. Yes, it is old news too. I don't know what that's doing on the front page. It must have gone down too low. Uh, now, at 8 o'clock, we'll have TNT Radio News for you. I'll give you a weather update and the extended forecast as well. And uh, that'll be it, really, for me. I might, I might just give you the 8 o'clock uh, bulletin at half past 8. That's the Radio New Zealand 8 o'clock bulletin. We'll also hear from Sky News as well through the day and see what they've got up on offer. I think it's quite good. I hope they don't mind. I don't think they will, as long as I give them a plug. Sure, and they'll be getting more listeners, won't they? Listening to me, they'll be all going off to Radio New Zealand having a listen. A lot of people don't bother with Radio New Zealand because they know that it's fake stream. But I think I'm a great believer in eating the meat and spitting out the bones. Now, I am having a bit of difficulty finding the latest news bulletin. So what I might just do is I might just play it straight off the internet here because I had trouble downloading it. And sometimes uh, we do have trouble uh, downloading it. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I promised you it was coming up at around about now, quarter two, and we're after, we're past that now. So the morning report, the Maori King calls for hope and calls for a vehicle banning. Uh, this is the, uh, the latest uh, from the New Zealand Herald. We'll play that now. A message has been sent as thousands attend the Maori King's National Hui over the weekend. It's in response to concern about a raft of the new government's Māori policies. Politicians from various parties attended, including Māori Development Minister Tama Potaka. ACT MPs and those from New Zealand First were notable in their absence. Herald political reporter Adam Pearce was there. Because this is something that they're going to have to manage. They can't ignore it when 10,000 people converge uh, on Tūranga Waiwai Marae and talk about how they are feeling threatened by their policies. A Muriwai local says the death on the beach yesterday afternoon was a tragedy waiting to happen. A teenage girl was crushed to death after being thrown from a ute that rolled on top of her with two others seriously injured. A witness has described seeing the vehicle hooning and doing burnouts. Local Ed Donald says they've seen near misses and the Westpac rescue helicopter out several times every year, but still nothing gets done. Meanwhile, a North Canterbury mayor is urging people to exercise common sense in the aftermath of the weekend's fires. Two homes, a church, sheds, vehicles and machinery were destroyed following a blaze in Lowburn on Friday, while another fire in Amberley also forced evacuations. Fire crews are dampening hotspots in Swananoa where a 12 hectare fire burned along the Waimakariri River on Saturday. Waimakariri Mayor Dan Gordon says locals need to be cautious. Councils aren't set up to deal with the billions of dollars needed to fix water infrastructure. Infrastructure New Zealand says councils having long-term financial independence is critical for sustainably managing water assets and standards. 
Advocacy and Strategy Lead Martina Moroni says at the moment, councils are constrained by the local government funding agency. Because they need to have good credit rating essentially um, and it's meaning that they're not being able to borrow to invest as much as they need to. Thanks for checking out our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all the latest news from the New Zealand Herald. Click the subscribe button below or check out one of the videos here and head over to nzherald.co.nz for more details on these stories and more. There we are, so be sure you do. It is 12 minutes to 8 at... Uh 8 o'clock we'll have TNT Radio News and we'll also have news throughout the day from Sky News as well. Let's uh, check out the, uh, oh no we've done the weather, we did that, we did that to death. We'll do that after 8 o'clock. Now in the meantime I've got some other interesting things coming up for you, I hope it's interesting anyway. I will be retiring the name Crooked from Hillary Clinton and her moniker. And I'm going to give her a new name, I don't know, like maybe Lovely Hillary or Beautiful Hillary. But I'm going to retire the name Crooked so that we can use the name for Joe Biden because he'll be known from now on as Crooked Joe Biden. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. OK, now let's look at this, uh, what happened on this day in history. We had, what did we have before? We had the big earthquake, 8.2 on this day back in 18, when was that now? 1855 and now we're looking at the tragic centennial yacht race that began on this day in 1951 uh, 20 yachts left Wellington for Littleton in a race to celebrate Canterbury centenary a race in the opposite direction in 1940 had marked the capital centenary and it was expected that the fastest yachts would complete the, complete the journey in one and a half days the slowest in five days after a severe southerly storm struck the fleet on the 24th most vessels withdrew from the race and were disqualified for using their engines only Rawiri that was the official ra uh, finished they finished the race uh, arriving in Littleton on the 26th of January. Uh, the Husky and the Argo were lost, along with 10 of their crews. And you can read more about that story there over at uh, nzhistory.gov.nz. And they've actually got a link to... Um, oh, it's not working, though. Oh, there it is, in New Zealand history. They've got a big link there, nice photographs of some of the old uh, boats. Some of them look like catches. They all look like catches. There's a couple of sloops in there as well. Just fantastic. That uh, photograph of the start of the Wellington to Little Yacht Race on this day in 1951. So, uh, yeah, really good, eh? Heroic captain George Brassell. He was the captain who chose to turn back early in the race. He was skipper Tariwa, uh, the trawler uh, that rescued the crew of the Astral. And he and his crew were later honoured by the Royal Humane Society of New Zealand for displaying gallantry, seamanship and endurance of the highest order. Good on them, boy, she looks at some pretty rough weather there. That's the rescue of the Astral. Uh, they're bringing it back. And um, the boat, that the rescue boat as well, that George uh, Brassell is on, that's got a mast as well, a steadying mast. Okay, let's, uh, let's continue on, shall we? It is uh, eight minutes to eight o'clock. You turned down uh, a $9 million movie role in 2021 because you wouldn't take uh, the COVID vaccine is being mandated in Hollywood at the time. Any regrets? There's a lot of money. Not at all. Not one regret. You know my thought when I heard that story? You must be even richer than I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody can use nine million dollars. I don't care how rich they think they are. Mm. You know, everybody can use that money. I could have used that money. My family could have used that money. But I felt like, you know, your health is worth more than all the money in the world. 
because if you had all the money in the world and you wasn't healthy, you would use that money to get healthy. To me, it was an experimental drug. They had no time to really see the long-term effects. It's kind of like the war machine. You know, if, if you make the bullets and the band-aids, you're going to always want to be in war because it's profitable. Seven minutes to eight, you're at the Liberty NZ Breakfast here, The World at Five, with me, Grant Edwards, and this was a gang taxing. Uh, mob members ransack a pea dealer's home. These are the front pages of New Zealand Herald. You'll find them at nzherald.co.nz. Holidaymaker horrified after child seen hanging on the, a moving car at the beach. A child was seen standing on the vehicle's running board, hanging on to the window. Good grief, you can see that at uh, New Zealand, NZ Herald. .co.nz and VC money uh, becomes a bit of a drug. Nick Mowbray, a school startup after fiasco. What is that? A pivot or may just be a prank raised wild issues. Whew, not sure what that's about. Uh, I suppose we have a quick look. It's premium, so they're going to make me pay if I want to read it. Chris Keel, he's the writer here. And yet, now I've got to pay to see it, and I don't, I'm not going to pay. Now, let's have a look at the dairy sector. They've got an upbeat as they're upbeat, all right, as demand. Now it's disappeared on me. So, oh yeah, dairy sector upbeat as demands remain uh, the biggest known. So, dairy are doing well. The butterfat content is good. Six Goldie paintings from the collection of Main Freight, the co-founder there, is going to be auctioned. And Property Insider: Timing of planned tenancy law change tipped. Uh, Auckland uh, prison officers on trial accused of assault with a pepper spray and a leaked report problematic. A heart services of Waikato Hospital linked to Avondale deaths. Nasty. And um, what have we got here? Uh, Chris Ratui. Nothing can explain these two crazy Kiwi go- uh, golfing stories. That story in sport over at RNZ. No, not RNZ. NewZealandHerald.co. That's NZHerald.co.nz. And car park roulette. A man takes eight years pay off $17,000. It took eight years rather to pay off $17,000 of Ponsonby parking fines. Now he lives down in Christchurch and it's all happy there. Now, Derek Cheng, political battle lines are being drawn. Politics is taking centre stage again after a summer hiatus. And what are the key issues? Derek Cheng has the answers there for you. In lifestyle, back to school, how to pack healthy lunches that won't break the bank. Uh, It's a big ask, but some experts tip that it is possible. Oh, just give him meat. <laughs> just give him some meat. Give him a sausage. Or, no, not a sausage, because they put all sorts of other things in it, don't they? Um, no, just give them a nice, some, cook up some nice rissoles for them. Give them that, and they can chew on that, and uh, make your own burley. Um, not burley. <laughs> Don't give them burley. <laughs> give them burkey. That's another good one as well. They can chew on that, and uh, and don't give them any money to spend at the tuck shop. Do they call it tuck shop? Probably not. Anyway, TNT Radio News is coming up at 8 o'clock, and that'll be my lot. I'll give you the weather update, and that'll be it for another day, and it looks like not a bad day here today, so you'll probably... Uh, if you know where I am, you'll find me out working on the farm. What I'm going to do here at this place is put a lot more fences on, fences in, put some fences in because I want the animals to just take the first third off the top of the grass, tread down the rest and poop on it. That's a good fertiliser, and then move them on. What's happening is they've got too big an area. We've got about uh, 70 at the moment, and I've got too big an area for them to move around on. They're not really doing a proper lawn mowing job and uh, gosh I tell you what I mowed the lawns a couple of days ago and I need to mow it again it is we've got a lot of grass growth where we are here it's nice and warm plenty of sunny days Uh, there's some very good dry matter on the ground here at the moment at the old farm now um, I've got some interesting things we've got some new ducks yeah that was yesterday 
And so if you go over to our Facebook page, that's Liberty NZ on Facebook, you can see the four new arrivals. They are called white, uh, they're called Indian runner ducks. They're absolutely lovely. So I gave them something to eat and they lay their beautiful duck eggs are just delicious. And uh, so I put them in the water there and uh, we, they put them on one of our dams. Just fantastic. They'll act as very good decoys, won't they, for duck shooting season, which is coming up uh, in uh, at the beginning of the fall, beginning of... Uh, um, what do we call it here? Gosh, I've forgotten. I'm too, used to too many of the Americanisms. Uh, it'll be, uh, we call it autumn over here. All right, two minutes to TNT Radio News coming up at eight o'clock. Freedom of speech is ultimately what guarantees freedom of thought, and it's an essential reality in the seeking of truth. And misinformation may occlude truth and make it hard to identify and thus require antidotes. That is true. But placing limitations on freedom of speech by means of a hate bill has the power to bury truth altogether. The hate speech elements of the hate bill do not take full cognizance of the importance of free expression. And I believe they will help create a climate whereby good people, ordinary people, will be curtailed in their speech and democratic actions and in the public expression of their views because they will not be told the limits imposed by an imprecise law that doesn't even define what it means by hate. And currently we have the Gardaí describing hate-related incidents as any non-crime incident which is perceived by any person in whole or in part to be motivated by hostility or prejudice based on actual or perceived age, disability, etc. Is this the future direction of our criminal law? Coupled with a new definition of gender which has never been discussed in these houses, who knows where this bill can lead in terms of the natural and wrongful, sorry, the wrongful suppression of people's natural right to engage in the exchange of ideas. And we have this strange situation in Ireland where this hate bill is the talk of the international town square with people like Jordan Peterson and as well known as Elon Musk commenting on our hate legislation. But there hasn't been a word about it hardly in our own media. And this silencing is envisaged by the bill seems to be what's going on already. So what I say to you, in case you're wondering what I'm talking about, I say backsliding indeed. That's my point. We need to look at the moat in our own eye just as much as we point to other countries about their falling back on human rights. Because in the end, <coughs> democracy must be more than an imposition of cultural power. In 2013, the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights gave a defense of freedom of expression. And I will finish with this pointing to the realisation of that right, enabling vibrant, multifaceted public interest debate, giving voice to different perspectives and viewpoints. Let us learn how to do that again, because this dimension of our democratic tradition is wilting away because we seem to have forgotten that what fundamental human rights are, and they are fundamental, and they involve respect for other people's... The prescription drug pricing points to corporate... Freedom of the press is about your right to know. It's about your right to be informed. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. We must protect our right to know, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Before it's too late, understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. 88.1 FM, the wireless international news. Now, EMT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. 
Moscow officials have reported that a shelling incident in Donetsk, a city in eastern Ukraine under Russian occupation, resulted in at least 27 deaths and 25 injuries on Sunday. The attack allegedly occurred at a market on the city's outskirts. The Ukrainian authorities in Kyiv have not issued any statement regarding this incident. This winter, both sides in the nearly two-year conflict have increasingly resorted to long-range attacks with the front line stretching approximately 1,500 kilometers, largely remaining static. Responding to the situation, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has strongly condemned all attacks on civilians and civilian infrastructure, including the recent shelling in Donetsk. A spokesperson for the UN emphasizes such attacks are prohibited under international humanitarian law. Reported on Sunday that at least 89 people have died in the United States due to recent extreme weather events. The country has been grappling with dangerously cold temperatures affecting various regions. A significant portion of the U.S. population faced severe cold this weekend as a wave of Arctic air from Canada swept southward. This cold snap brought record low temperatures and coated many areas with ice and snow. For instance, in Chicago, wind chills pushed temperatures down to minus 30 degrees Fahrenheit, while states like Texas, Alabama, and Georgia experienced temperatures around 20 degrees Fahrenheit last week. The Tennessee Department of Health confirmed that at least 25 people have died due to the weather conditions in recent days. In Oregon, 16 fatalities were reported in various incidents, including three people who died when a tree fell on their vehicle. Oregon has declared a state of emergency following storms that left over 45,000 people without power. The extreme weather conditions continue to pose challenges across different parts of the country. Monetary Fund has released a new report indicating that nearly 40% of jobs worldwide could be influenced by the advent of artificial intelligence. With high-income economies facing greater exposure than emerging markets in low-income countries. IMF Chief Kristalina Georgieva, in a recent blog post, urged governments to address this troubling trend and actively take measures to prevent AI from exacerbating social tensions. Georgieva highlighted the dual nature of this technological shift, noting we are on the brink of a technological revolution that could jumpstart productivity, boost global growth, and raise incomes around the world. Yet it could also replace jobs and deepen inequality. The report emphasized that while automation and information technology have traditionally impacted routine tasks, AI also poses a risk to jobs that require high-level skills. This makes advanced economies more vulnerable to the risks of AI, but also places them in a better position to benefit from its potential advantages compared to emerging and developing economies. In advanced economies, about 60% of jobs might be affected by AI. Foreseeable future are going to be impacted by artificial intelligence. And they would be impacted in one of two ways. If you're lucky, artificial intelligence will enhance your productivity, make your job more enjoyable, and very likely better paid. If you are unlucky, your job is gone. Senator Tim Scott weighed in on the 2024 race for the GOP nomination on Sunday night in America. It was fantastic to work with the former president in such a way that we produced the kind of results that said to the American people, no matter where you live, no matter the color of your skin, no matter what coast you're on, no matter whether you're a blue state or a red state, your life is going to be better because Donald Trump was president. I made the decision to endorse the president because it was the only option on the table to move America forward. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. 
scraping together all the news and information you need. It's engaging. At the top and bottom of the hour. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. 88.1 FM. The Wireless Weather. Okay, four minutes past eight, and let's check out that weather forecast. Firstly, we will look at the extremes, and Wakatani, 23 degrees right there at the moment. Lumsden has the lowest temperature of 88.5 degrees. It's really picking up at Nugget Point now, 78 kilometres of wind per hour there. Omaru is the wettest place. The temperatures right across the main centre, Stewart Island 8, Chatham Islands 18, Invercargill 10, Dunedin 12, Timaru 17, Christchurch 19 along with Blenheim, and Nelson, uh, Westport, Bal on the west coast of the South Island, 17 degrees, Franz Joseph 15, and Queenstown 10 degrees. Moving up to the North Island, Wellington has 19 degrees along with pa- uh, Marston, Palmerston North 21 along with New Plymouth, Napier's on 20, Taupo 19, Rotorua has 20 degrees, Gisborne 22 along with Tauranga, Hamilton has 20 degrees, Auckland 22, Wangarei has 20 degrees, and Kaitaia has a wonderful 20, 20 degrees. It's 5 past 8. 5 past 8. It is. Yes, right now. For great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts, the TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Right, let's look at the New Zealand short forecast for all of New Zealand. Valid until midnight tonight for Northland, Auckland, Waikato, Coromandel, the Bay of Plenty. Isolated showers becoming widespread with some heavy falls and possible thunderstorms for a time later this morning and afternoon. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, mainly fine. You've got scattered afternoon and evening showers. For Waitomo to Wellington, including the Wairarapa and also the Central High Country, a few showers some heavy with the risk of squally thunderstorms. To the South Island, Marlborough and Nelson, isolated showers clearing to fine this afternoon. Buller and Westland, north uh, north of the glaciers, you've got periods of rain today, heavy and thundery at times, easing to showers this morning. For the remainder of Westland and Fiordland, isolated showers, widespread in southern Fiordland. Canterbury, Otago, excluding Clutha and Southland, but not excluding them. Uh, you're excluding Clutha, but we will include Southland. Rain with heavy falls spreading north. Thunderstorms possible in Canterbury, easing to showers from the south this morning. And for the Chatham Islands, um, you've got rain possibly heavy, uh, easing this afternoon. There we are. That's my lot. I will see you tomorrow morning, Lord willing, at uh, five o'clock. Be there or be square. Seven minutes past eight. I, did, I don't take that. I don't take anything. I don't take vaccinations. I don't do any, any of that stuff. The question that maybe a guy should be asking yourself is rather than should I be running to a therapy as to why is your testosterone low? Maybe you should take off your shoes. Maybe you should stop ruining your health wearing shoes that are putting your feet in an unnatural position and keeping you from being grounded. Maybe you should stop eating soy and processed foods and look at a job that makes you get out and work rather than just being around and sitting sedentary all the time. I think guys need to get out and be more masculine. Pick up some hobbies, get out around other men, and stop spending so much time on the computer. Clean up your diet, get a fitness, a fitness regime. You don't have to go to a gym, just do some basic calisthenics, push-ups, lift a heavy rock. But it uh, seems to me that taking a therapy is not the solution. Just get back to masculine work, and uh, I think a guy might be surprised what happened. This is extremely interesting, check it out. They said and boast, we killed Christ. Jesus, the son of Mary, but they killed him not, nor crucified him. But so it was made, huh? From the Quran. Correct. Do you agree with that? No. But that's God's word. No, it's not. But yes, it is. Are you a Muslim? Are Are you you? a Muslim? Well, am I supposed to... You're saying that's the word of God. Are you a Muslim? Well, are you saying it's not the word of God? I am saying it's not the word of God. How do you know? 
How do I know that, the, that what the Quran says is not the word of God? If you want me to go through that refutation, I'll be happy to. What does the Quran say about the Bible? That's my question to you. What does the Quran say about the Bible? Do you have any idea? Okay. It says it's a previous revelation of God, and it says that it's true. It says to believe it. And I ask the Muslim, why do you not believe the, the Bible today? And you know what the Muslim will say? Because it's been corrupted. And then I'll ask the Muslim, what does your Quran say about whether the words of Allah can be corrupted? And I'll say, it cannot. See, that's the problem. If the Quran is true, the Bible is true. And because the Bible is true, the Quran is false. That was well said. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. When NZ Law takes over, we'll shut the whole thing down. We'll have a brand new radio in New Zealand with proper journalists, and they will get people from counters for media in. They know what they're doing. Nothing goes out of that place unless it's been thoroughly checked. Nothing. Everything that they've said, they, they call them right-wing extremists. That's Calvin Alp and Hannah Spear. They call them right-wing, but really it is they're just right. They just leave the wing off. They are right. Everything they've done, everything they've said has been right, and they've got more. And that's why the police invaded their property and took all their camera gear and computers and stuff like that. And also, I bet you they took all those books that uh, were written by, um, what's his name, Greg Hallett, New Zealand, a blackmailer's guide. Very interesting book if you can get hold of that. Hopefully um, they didn't take all those books. Hopefully they didn't. Uh, but contact Counterspin Media, either Hannah or Calvin, and send them a nice big Send them just a small donation, 100 bucks or something like that. Or if you're feeling generous, 500 or maybe even 1,000, shoot it to them. And I'm sure that Calvin will, will ship a book off to you um, by Greg Hallett, who's in hiding in Europe, somewhere in Europe. And um, he's had 12 assassination attempts on his life, according to another podcast that I was watching. Very interesting. Anyway, um, William Ray, you halfwit. Anyway, so the stolen island searching for Atar. This is a story about McGrath. <laughs> You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. Now, 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 here comes another hour of today's best country and more. This is 88.1 FM, The Wireless.